Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Uh, very sad news, of course, the death of uh, Connor King at the weekend at the age of 22, falling from a cliff and uh, losing his life. And the papers this morning talk about his funeral today, and uh, it will be at uh, St. Patrick's Church in Rochestown tomorrow, and um, cremation, crem- cremation services afterwards. And of course, uh, limited funeral capacities these days, limited to 25. Uh, Connor's funeral will be on his birthday, according to The Sun today. And the Echo also carry the story. They say that uh, he was so loved by family and friends and those that he touched, whether it was in college, his friends himself, or those that he worked with. He was a part-time lifeguard in the leisure centre of the Rochestown Park Hotel. And beautifully, the hotel paid tribute to him, describing him as a hugely popular figure among members and staff alike. And there's been many, many tributes about that young man. And our thoughts, of course, are with his family. The RNLI and the Coast Guard make the examiner today because they're bracing for a busy bank holiday weekend. And we had a busy start this morning, yesterday morning, talking about the previous few sunny days and how much the emergency services were being were being used and called upon, and they think it could well be. Now, the well won't be as good across the bank holiday weekend, but, um, you know, please proceed with caution and take care. And uh, again, one of the things I learned yesterday morning, or at least we were reminded of, is you find yourself in difficulty, float, float, and uh, never, ever go swimming without letting people know that you're on the water. And um, you heard in the news there a while ago with, uh, with Lana about um, uh, calls for more toilets, more bins across the city and indeed county towns and on Cork beaches. That's a story that makes this morning's examiner calls to provide toilets at Cork beaches. I mean, why would you even have to be talking about this? But yet we still are. Um, I think what they want actually is people not to litter and people to bring all of their rubbish home. But like decades and decades and decades have proved that that won't happen and that bins and more bins and big municipal bins are the way forward. But of course, I'm not in politics and I'm certainly not in the county council, whereas Tim Lucy is the county council chief executive. He says in the Echo this morning, or he's quoted in the Echo this morning, that there are 958 litter bins in the county. If I had my way, I would have no bins around the county, as I feel it only encourages people to leave litter. We spend 3.2 million on street cleaning and litter management every year. It's not good use of taxpayers' money. We could uh, we could use this money across towns instead of trying to deal with irresponsible behaviour. Well, the only thing I can say about that is, if there were bins, then perhaps we wouldn't be spending 3.2 million on street cleaning and litter management every year. But what do I know? Asimi Hall makes the papers today. He's visiting the monkeys in uh, uh, Doll Zoo. Or oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that came out like it actually makes sense when you think of it. The Doll Zoo. But it was Dublin Zoo. Um, I imagine before long he'll also uh, pop down and visit everybody down in Fota and say hello to the monkeys down there. We have family passes to give away for Fota again this morning. And of course, lovely photographs in all of the papers of people out playing golf, others playing tennis, others on football pitches, zoos, wildlife parks, pet farms, all reopened yesterday. And lovely photographs of that. The golfers enjoying uh, the golf course, crowds going to pet farms, Fota, and all of those papers, uh, photographs make the papers today. Johnson and Johnson, the JJ uh, Vax makes the front of many papers because they're saying now it's time to start ramping up. And that includes AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson, those vaccines, but particularly the Johnson, which is just a single jab. And they're saying that it's going to be rolled out to the over 
fifties. And the great thing about this is that Johnson and Johnson have given us five hundred and fifty thousand of them, which is great news. And that's why there's a headline in the Sun this morning saying, "Oh, happy Jays." That's a song actually from the back end of the nineteen sixties by the Edwin. Hawkins singers called Oh Happy Day. It was a crossover hit from gospel uh, to the pop charts and that's where they got that headline from. Uh, But Cabinet are set to draw up the plans now with regards to leaving lockdown and we're expecting an update on Thursday, I believe. Kind of changes, but I believe it's Thursday. But the big number this morning is 605 Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccines for the 50-pluses. But... Um, you know, Bantry and Skull made the news yesterday. The Lock did, the Marina, Kennedy Key. We spoke about all of these areas on the program yesterday morning. The county mayor is issuing a plea asking the public not to gather en masse at beauty spots as the weather improves. She's been optimistic about the weather improving, but it's a front page of making the echo today saying gatherings are still posing a risk. Have you seen any of the reports coming out of India? I watched a six-minute report last night from Sky News, and it is harrowing. Money can't buy you uh, oxygen, no matter how wealthy you are in India these days. They are absolutely being decimated uh, by COVID. And we're sending 700 oxygen oxygen machines to ravaged India. We're donating, and rightly so. Oxygen is what they need. And it was just awful to watch uh, the video footage at the hospitals, outside the hospitals, banging, trying to get loved ones into hospitals. Um, trying to buy oxygen tanks on the black market, the funeral pyres everywhere, awful, really awful. But, you know, when you talk about young people then, while the county mayor is saying don't gather, the European Affairs Minister is saying don't be condoning young people for socialising. Their heads have been wrecked for far too long. And then there's a a couple of interesting stories from the courts. One is, um, and this is a quote from the Echo, a Polish woman without much English didn't let language become a barrier to uh, fraudulently claiming social welfare in respect of payment for rent on a house. I imagine the welfare might have had something to do with rent payments or something. Anyway, she um, she took €37,500 fraudulently. Judge Sean O'Donovan was having nothing but yesterday. He, he um, adjourned sentencing to September 7th, but he did say, I cannot see any way out of this other than a custodial sentence. And the guards are under more and more threat these days, according to the uh, GRA. It's a story in the front of the examiner. Because the public, and way too many of the public, are filming members of the Gardaí. And then, apparently, uh, that video footage, and sometimes um, the footage of their homes, uh, and also posting their home address, are also being shared online. Um, And it's leading to all sorts of threats and, and worry and stress and anxiety and, and maybe even safety issues for members of the Garda Shikona. There's a great story in Cork, from Cork today in the Echo for a company called Silver Pale Dairy. They employ 90 people in Formoy and we must congratulate them because a Cork firm, Silver Pale Dairy, have just got a 1.4 million euro contract with Tesco to provide them with ice cream. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And some of the wackier stuff making the papers today. One is from the mirror. And though apparently, I don't know whether you knew it, but dogs can catch your yawn. If you yawn, apparently your dog will yawn. You know how if I yawn, you'll yawn, or you know if somebody else yawns, I'll yawn? It's kind of, it's automatic, you can't control it. They say the same about dogs. And they're doing a study now in research at the moment to see if cats catch yawns from their owners. I know. I mean, a fool and his money, but maybe it needs to be done. But they are saying, 
And actually, this was something that was mentioned to me a couple of weeks back at home. Will dogs develop anxiety in the home when more and more people go back to work? I mean, they're bound to because for the past year, everybody in the house, everybody, assuming you're going back, not everybody is. Um, aren't the dogs going to kind of turn around one Monday and say, where's everybody going? Where's mommy and daddy? Why is it so quiet? <laughs> and, and like, isn't it going to affect them? They're going to be completely out of sorts about it because apparently they're now saying in the independent that they will develop anxiety. Dog anxiety. Need to go to dog, dog psychologists. And there's one other one then. How do you, um, how do you catch people whose dogs are pooing on the streets? Well, you take the dog's poo DNA, of course, silly person. <laughs> Assuming you got the dog's DNA in a database somewhere and you test the dog's DNA and then you track down and you find the owners. I like it. It's a story out of the Midlands. No, it's not April 1st. And then the quirky things that we talk about on air here. Here's another. It's kind of a lifestyle issue. Firstly, either you're a plain scone eater, which I am not, or you're a scone eater with fruit in it, which I am. Love fruit scones. Absolutely. I find the other ones just dull. And then what do you put on your scone? Like, would it be butter, then jam? With me, it would be butter, jam, and then cheese. But you know those that put, like, the Cornish cream tea? Sorry, making the English Times this morning. And the debate is as to whether or not the cream goes on first and then the jam, or the jam goes on first and then the cream. We should really get in touch with one of the hotels that are doing, um, you know, afternoon teas and ask them, what is, what is the acceptable way? You know, is, is there a posh version and a common version? But apparently the Cornish cream tea insists that the only way to serve a scone is no fruit in it, Jam first and then the cream. Agree or disagree? Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. Fiona and Deirdre, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking the call. Um, I'll start with you, Fiona, if you don't mind. Can you just recall what happened on Saturday night? The when, where, why and how? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were just on the way home, the two of us, and we decided to clock cut through the Glen Park because it's just sh- shorter for us to walk home through really. Right, what time was um, that? We'd gotten off the bus about... After nine? It was just after nine, about ten past nine. It was still kind of bright, yeah. a bit twilighty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we walked through the park, we decided to sit down on a bench. We could hear loads of teenagers drinking and stuff, but we sat a good bit away from them. Um, and we literally just sat down for a few minutes to have a chat. Um, and as we got up to leave, a group of young fellas there was about 10 of them and they walked past and one of them picked up a cigarette box that he was smoking and flicked it into her hair and all the embers and everything into Deirdre's hair yeah into Deirdre's hair and all the embers went down her chest into her dress and everything so of course I stood up kind of out of shock because I was sitting next to her as well so it flew past my face and I stood up out of shock and I was like oh my god what like why and the next thing I knew, I was on the ground and kicked me twice in the head. Okay, now, they would be 15 or 16 years of age. You guys are in your early 20s, am I right? Yeah. And you're, you're entitled to sit down and chat amongst yourselves in a public park, because that's what that area is. It's a beautiful area, isn't it, by and large? It's, yeah, do you know, we both go running there, actually. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the frightening thing is that I'd walk my dog there. We'd go running regularly there. So when you um, when you got up and said, what the hell, what's going on? Did they all turn on you then? Well, they all turned around to kind of look and 
one guy, he just, it was like something just snapped behind his eyes. And next thing I knew, I was on the ground. And of course, they knocked Deirdre to the ground too. And they kicked her underneath the chin and she lost her glasses and she's quite blind. So she can't see anything. Um, So she was really, really disorientated. So I had to stand back up and kind of try to defend them off of her. And did they get you in a neck lock to get you onto the ground or did they hit you? No, they hit me to the ground and then when I was on the ground, they kicked me. And were they, I mean, you obviously were shouting stop. Were, were they saying anything, shouting anything? They were all kind of jeering, like they were calling us names. They were mocking Deirdre because of her accent. They were telling me that I was a goth bitch to go kill myself. Um really just taunting us and it was very frightening because they were all dressed in black. They all grouped up around us. It was so hard to tell who was who, who was coming at us. It was just very frightening. Deirdre, jump in there if you don't mind. Um, How how aware of you what was going on on Saturday night? Well, basically, as she said, you know, at the park and it's just like I seen them coming and I didn't think much, you know, because previous to that, we had been nice enough to another couple of younger kind of guys and girls, you know, they had asked, could they squat and pee behind us? And we said, yeah, look, that's no problem, you know, because we didn't want any problems, you know? Yeah. And, um, but so that's why we, we kind of felt safe. And it was literally, it happened as we were standing up to leave, you know, there was, it's not like we said something. It's not like we yeah. looked at them wrong, yeah. you know, it was nothing like that. So when they threw the cigarette at me, I kind of, I kind of just looked down and I was like, what the hell is this, you know? And Ash straight away stood up to say, like, uh, Fiona stood up straight away to say, like, what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah, perfectly normal um, reaction. Were they, so these are 15, 16-year-olds, were they drinking? Were they drinking? Uh, Yes, they were, they were all intoxicated. If, If not alcohol, definitely, maybe more even, you know? Um, and I, just, I, I literally, the only reason I stood up was then to go to Fiona and to say, like, what the hell, you know, to grab her, to, 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 to get her away from them. And they seen me coming. And as I was walking, I literally maybe took two, three steps. Obviously, it was completely pitch black then, and they were all dressed in black. So a foot just out of nowhere, I didn't even see where which angle it came from. But it just hit me straight under the chin. And that knocked me back. So my glasses got knocked down and so did my backpack. It completely flew off my back. Um, so in that moment, because obviously I couldn't see while well, it was pitch black, my glasses were off off my face. I started freaking out, which is why Fiona had to stand up basically for the two of us and say like, back away, you know, because I basically, I was hopeless. You know, I couldn't see, I couldn't anything. So Fiona had to basically stand up for the two of us mm. be the man basically you know mm. even because though it, even though she had been kicked in the head yeah because as she said twice but as she said if if we had let them continue god knows what could have happened it's the fact that we actually stood up that they realized that we are not backing down we're not easy targets to just kick about and you know we're grown-ups no matter what their children have respect for older people and what did they know? do did they run away some of them ran away when they realized that it was girls they were kicking some of them started screaming like oh my god they're kicking girls oh my god so some of them did run away and i think the the main guy that was there he ran away too and it was kind of younger ones that kind of stayed around and they were just shouting at us screaming at us and 
basically discriminating us with all names and it was just it was it was chaos honestly it was chaos they were coming from all sides left right center they kept telling us you wait here you wait here i'll pass on the message to them and you wait here till i come back with the message you know and like what message why like you know us telling them you know like this is ridiculous the fact that we were saying you how can you hit never mind kick a woman and obviously the guy that had done it had ran away somewhere so it was his friends or whoever they were and do you know are they local to the area uh, they're all probably locals I, I have a feeling they're all from the surrounding areas just Saturday night going out drinking not a care after the lockdown you know over drinking uh, parents probably had no idea what they were or maybe they did you know what about you Fiona, we, do, Fiona do you, did you recognise any of them from the area I didn't recognise any of them from the area like I did recognise some of them as been from the traveller community around the Spring Lane area Wait, how, but, how do you know how do you know that well, because they were asking me, are my brothers coming down to fight them? And I don't have brothers. Asking me, my father was coming down to fight them. Don't have a father either. Like the way they were speaking, the way they were talking, you know, I've lived in the north, like, or the north side for a long time. And you just begin to know. But then some of them were just secondary school teenagers who obviously the situation had gone out of hand and they couldn't control their friends. Like it strikes me, the more I deal with these kind of subjects on the air is if the whole place that we live in now is turning into the Wild West. It is exactly, and it was the fact that when we rang the guards, we waited for the guards in the park, and the guards didn't come. They didn't come to the park, they didn't come to the scene. We had to get out of there and get home by ourselves, you know. And we but did you tell the guards when you rang that you were two young women who were assaulted, yeah. beaten up, kicked on the ground in Glen Park? Yeah. yeah, and if anything, the operator on the other side of the phone, she started getting quite aggravated back at Deirdre, who was... You know, clearly quite upset on the phone and whatnot. You called from the scene. They had run away and you called the guards. Um, yeah. Subsequently and went by, home then. Yeah, and we went home. And by the time we'd gotten home, we'd rang them over six times, seven times, because we rang three times in the park, four times in the park, and then once on the way home. And then when we got home, my boyfriend seen us and rang again. You said the guard response was unforgivable and made it even more frightening that two women ringing an assault by men didn't get assisted quickly enough. Um, we shouldn't be yeah. scared to walk around our own area by a group of disrespectful kids. And that's putting it kindly, actually. I mean, they were an awful lot worse than that. Do you feel safe at night in the neighbourhood or will this change it? No, not at all. And do you know what, now I've lived loads of areas around Cork and this is the only area that I really, I don't feel safe walking around. You know, especially, like, as we say, the Gardas, they, for whatever reason, didn't have a quick response. And we were two women. We had nothing on us. We had nothing to protect ourselves. We had no one else around to turn to. And you think that the law will be there for you, but it's not. Would you recognise them if you saw them again? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, they're mi- of course, they're minors, you know, um, if they're coming in at 15 and 16 years old. Should they know that the law can't touch them? They just get a caution. They probably couldn't care less. Yeah, exactly. And 
like the guards pretty much said the same to us that because of the area that they're from because of their age nothing's going to happen right well what of course road we were in touch and what of course road are investigating the alleged assault of two females in their 20s Glen Park Ballyvalan two women assaulted following an altercation with a group of youths in the park shortly before 11pm no arrests have been made inquiries are ongoing would you hold up out much hope? To be honest, not really. Like, I know, you know what's been great has been the community support around it. Um, Everyone on Facebook has been nothing but nice and gracious, but it has highlighted a bigger issue in the fact that people in the area are saying, oh, the guards will never go into the Glen Park. So why would the guards go in there? The guards would never come to us. Or People are really like, it's a bigger issue that people have noticed that the guards don't respond quick enough to this area. And that this area is kind of left to go to the dogs a little bit. But if you know them to be members of the traveller community and you're sure of it, um, would that even help? Because it could be settled travellers, it could be maybe the the halting site. You don't know where they live. No, we don't know where they live. And I wouldn't go looking for it either, Neil. You know, I don't go looking for trouble. No, That's no, not. No, no, of course not. I mean, I, and I'd be in I, fear for my own life, do you know? Fear of repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Has it? Does it strike both of you, like Deirdre? Maybe do you think it's got worse in the last six to twelve months with regards to? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because there's, I'm sure you know yourself. There's been phone calls made to you about you know the traveling community before and about the sulkies and everything going on and then about the parties and the halting site and the trash being left by them as well and the animal cruelty. Like there is so much. It's just that. There's no response to the cry out for help. None. And it's getting worse. And I feel like the guards are backing away because they are scared. And I understand that. They are intimidating. They are frightening. But that's that's why you don't go by yourself. Mm. You know, get a, two cars, three cars of guards. They would they would respond to that because it's not one guard going in. It's it's a squad, you know. It's I understand if it's one, it's different. And you know? were you but, I mean were you burned by the cigarette? Well, no, it was, you see, mainly flew into my hair. So it was my hair mostly that kind of got sizzled by the cigarette and the ash just kind of fell on, the burning ash fell on my chest. But it's just like, it's just, it's just the kicking. Like who kicks under a jaw and who kicks into a forehead? That could easily be facial. They could be dead right now. And the guys wouldn't have known because they didn't respond. It's just everything is getting so bloody young now, you know? Everything's That's, just getting, getting out of younger. control so young. Yes. You know, they're they're drinking younger, they're partying younger, they're taking over areas that are public, you know. No fear of the police, none, none whatsoever. Well, what's, a, what's a drunk 15-year-old, if he's going to kick girls on the ground into the head or groups of them, what are they going to do or be capable of in another 10 and, years' time? And that's why we did turn around to them, you know, and we did say that. We said, would you kick your mother and would you kick your sister if that was them on the bench? No, no, because you're not them. And we said, but if we, if we, if, if you can kick a woman down without any fear and you know you'll get away with it, in a couple of years' time, you could turn into a rapist or a murderer if nothing is stopping you, you know? Have you guys made statements, Fiona? Yeah, we have, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And are you still sore? Does it hurt? Yeah, no, we're still pretty... Two of us are just very shook up now today, kind of. You know, yesterday we had to catch our family up on it, and of course all our family were very upset, and 
you know, we had lots of calls and stuff yesterday. So okay. I think today now it's kind of the fallback. And it is the fact that, you know... Why are you doing this? Why are you talking to me? Talking to you? Well, to make awareness, to get... Do you know what I mean? So people know to be safe going in there. So yes. maybe some lights would be put up in there because there's no lights in that park. There's no security. There's no CCTV. And it's not okay, no matter what age you are, to hit a woman, never mind kick them in the head. No. It's a huge issue. Feminists have fought and fought for years for rights for women. Th- and you think in this stage that people would listen. I think it's, I think it's no very... Time. I think it's very brave of the two of you to come forward and tell your story. I really do. Uh, Gardy, you're asking for anyone with any information to contact Watercourse Road Garda Station. It'll be interesting to see if they make any headway in this, won't it? Let's see what happens. I suppose one of the reasons yeah. you're calling as well is that when two young women who are savagely beaten like that and kicked on the ground call the guards for assistance from the scene that they get there ASAP. Yeah, well, like as soon as they can, like I understand they have other, like I have family who are part of the force and don't get me wrong, I respect everything they do. But, you know, that situation was so out of control that like we genuinely felt it could have went further. Like we could have been raped and left in that park and they would have had 20 minutes start on the guards oh, to leave the park. Just perish the thought, yeah. So if I didn't get up and fight, you know, I'm, I'm a tall woman. <laughs> I'm kind of, <laughs> I can be a little bit intimidating. I'm six foot myself. And if it wasn't for the fact that after getting kicked in the head, I stood straight back up to protect my friend, they would have continued. Oh, it's horrific. And that's a fact. It's horrific. It really is. Okay, Fiona, Deirdre, thank you for telling the story. Traumatic and as troubling and as horrific as it was. I do appreciate it. Look after each other. Thank I know you, you so will. Much for that. Thank you. Bye. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Text 0868104106. Interesting text, and you're dead right. Uh, how surprised was I this morning that Neil didn't open the program with the abuse going on in the refugee centres or even mention it? You are absolutely right. I do have a press copy on that from the Ombudsman for Children's Study, uh, and it should be mentioned because uh, I've long said, and there are others I think hopefully agree with me that uh, direct provision centres need to uh, be shut down. Now, I know they're coming up with an alternative proposal uh, and in the coming years, I hope that that will happen where people will be able to integrate into society. What what we do in the future with regards to, um, you know, uh, asylum and refugee, that's that's another matter. But for those that are there way too long, it's inhumane. And now it's affecting parents and their children within them. And part of the survey said that the parents who are having children and come with children into uh, asylum refugee centers are afraid to speak up. Uh, about um, what's going on in their lives are afraid to make complaints because they're afraid that their children will be taken away from them. I mean, that's an awful scenario and situation to find yourself in. There are other aspects of it as well with regards to guard vetting and, and issues like that, but that for me is just completely unacceptable and it's so, so unfair to be living in that kind of fear. It is a story making the news. Uh, on, on With regards to topics that we dealt with yesterday, uh, the keg man was on air and you can have a keg delivered and he's been doing a roaring trade in that. Not not all of the publicans were happy with that and we're talking about um, you know issues involving uh, licensing or indeed being um, uh, uh, legally entitled to 
bring kegs to people's houses for profit or what have you. Uh, the pub and many of the publicans felt that uh, you know they've been shut for long enough, and you know that's not right that other people should be able to deliver kegs, etc. Um, a lot of text on it. If an individual orders three slabs of beer from a supermarket and has them delivered, does that mean that the delivery driver is lacking a moral compass and should be responsible for what the householder does with those cans of beer? Hoggy and other publicans need to come off the stage, direct their anger towards the authorities and not to a young entrepreneur capitalizing on a gap in the market. And others, there were a few hundred people drinking and congregating near the green area on the Grand Parade, four o'clock Saturday. The city was jointed. Yet if I travel to see a sick, lonely relative in another county, I can be fined. Great country, isn't it? Shame, Cork is such a beautiful city. It sounds like a mad place at the moment and it needs to be cleaned up. So sad, says Melissa. Uh, I agree with the man on the radio. It was like the Wild West and not a Garda to be seen in the city at the weekend. That publican is having a laugh. Does he forget the massive spike of infections that were a direct result of pubs loose behaviour at Christmas time? Not necessarily so, uh, as the song says. I think a lot of that spike actually from Christmas in January came from the home and mixing in the home. I don't believe it really had a whole lot to do with gastropubs or restaurants. That's my understanding of it at the time. There are she beans everywhere. I have one in my garage and I know of four more. Me and three or four friends meet up Saturday evening for a few pints and a catch-up. You see, it keeps us sane. We look forward to it, but the minute the pubs open, we'll close the she-bean. It's rural, and the pub is where you meet more than the same two or three fellas, remember. You talk to the older lads. You enjoy their stories in the pubs on various topics. We had enough of cans and bottles last year, so three of us pooled our money together. We built a she-bean. Uh, the cooler cost us 500 euro, says Alan. He doesn't say where, but he looks forward to his Saturday evenings with his few mates and his few pints. Uh, morning, Carrigaline had a few incidents also on Saturday evening. Young fellas fighting in the car park. They were full of drink in broad daylight. Well, you heard with the girls what happened to them in the Glen Park at the weekend as well. Listening to the guy on the air moaning about the kegs being sold. Will he ever get a life? People can buy kegs if they want, and if somebody's making money selling them, I'm all for it. Hoggy needs to stop, get, needs to stop getting upset that somebody else is making money in the same business that he is in. I bought two kegs last week, and I threw a big party out the back with not a care in the world. And I'll be doing it again this Saturday. I don't care about COVID anymore. It's a hoax. Hoggy, Hoggy needs to get a life. Uh, that's an interesting text, and I wonder what your thoughts are on that one. Again, just reiterating uh, one part of it. I bought two kegs last week, threw a big party in the back without a care in the world. Morning, I drove into town Saturday evening. Young people were urinating in doorways and alleyways. How are the business facing every Monday morning like this? Uh, Tell the publicans to put the same energy into pushing back against the government and their lockdowns. They'd be in a far better position than they are now if they pushed back harder themselves. Loads of texts on this from yesterday, um, and I thank uh, the keg man for coming on air. In fairness to him, there was a uh, there was an element of bravery in him coming on the air, and I appreciate that. What's the difference between a group of four from the same family sitting a hundred meters from a bar and takeaway pints, or sitting outdoors in a beer garden, socially distanced in a controlled environment? The government, you see, are totally out of touch. When does common sense come into play here? It's a joke. We're all adults. We can make our own choices. The elderly and vulnerable are mostly vaccinated at this stage, Neil. Why can't the rest of us just get on with it? And two more ahead of the break. You can't. 
keep defending people, Neil, who break the law, particularly pub owners. Cork City stank of urine, urine over the weekend, and the place was like a rubbish dump. Are you proud of our city being portrayed like this? Neil, you can dress up a pig, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. Well, I will tell you one thing. Um, cycling in there in the early morning, which would have been Sunday morning, it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, something must have happened overnight or in the early mornings when everybody working in the council came out and did their job. But it was a gorgeous city in the sunshine early Sunday morning. I'm 23, uh, and although I have not part- participated with outdoor drinking in town during lockdown, can you really blame people? This weekend, we were the only country in the world with beer gardens and pubs not open. I don't agree, clearly, with the antisocial behaviour of some, but the majority are out for a drink and then they'll go home. The government need to open their eyes and see that this will keep continuing until they open the beer gardens or pubs and have controlled environment there. That's a selection. There's lots more besides. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Oh, great text yesterday. Great text every day, but particularly with regards to, um, you know, uh, pints, um, have a keg delivered. When things were normal, this man, uh, this is, he's referring to my conversation with uh, Hoggy in the pub in Cagnavar. Uh, when things were normal, he had eight regulars on a Friday or a Saturday night who would easily and happily drink eight pints a night. Who is to say that anyone renting the keg isn't in the same position? As well as that, once uh, Sean, uh, the keg man, checks ID and that they're all of legal age, it is the people who do the renting that own the responsibility of what they drink, regardless. Uh, I agree, The keg, this is majority of people actually very much in support of uh, kegman.ie. I agree the kegman is totally going against the restrictions and is encouraging house parties. If everybody were to take his stance, we will never get out of this pandemic. People should be shown the ones that survived the virus and how their lives will never be the same again and how they need care for the rest of their lives. It's an interesting text. Um, I think at this stage, the bigger issue is the young people um, are not cleaning up after themselves. Local Locals up and down the country are the ones out in the morning tidying up after people leave their mess. And finally, we bought a fancy shed last year and got in a tap with the gas and all that jazz. We brought, bought a keg over the Christmas, but half of it was wasted because nobody knew how to pull a pint Maybe you should have rented a barman. Uh, I think it was more the novelty of having it than anyone wanting to be langers for four days. The keg lasted about three weeks if you're just tipping away at it. So thank you for all of those. And again, I might have got the web address wrong earlier on. It's thekegfella.ie. Thekegfella.ie. Um, not that I'm advocating the, you know, blah 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 Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Off to, um, I think, very sunny and hot London to Joseph. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good oh, to you. How are you, mate? What's the weather like? It's largely uh, sunny, dry, and uh, we're all looking forward to the bank holiday weekend. I hear, I hear you guys are praying for rain. Is that right? Yes, well, we we always do that in April, and we'll eventually get it. Then we'll complain and want uh, sunshine to come. Ah, out. right. How long are you over there? Oh, God, uh, 35, 40 years. Crikey. When did you leave? In a recession or what? Uh, yeah, I left back in the 70s. Had my mother crying into my face and my father saying, Will you ever come back? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't sound very welcoming, Will you ever come back, did it? Will you ever come no. back? <laughs> Were they weeping and gnashing down at the uh, at the Innisfallen on the key, was it, or what? Did you take the plane? <laughs> no, it was the old Cork airport then. <laughs> 
And did you ever come back from time to time? I oh, yes, yeah. I mean, for the first two years, I was doing all the crying. It was awful. But eventually, I don't know what happens. Something happens. Maybe it's the air over here. And then you, you switch. And then you only go back for holidays, funerals and weddings. Did it take you two years to get over the homesickness? It did indeed. I was in a terrible state. I mean, I was only gone three months and I had to return for a holiday. <laughs> um, I found it very, very difficult. You know, what, you know what they say, the savage misses his native shore. But you got over it. <laughs> I did. I eventually got over it. And, uh, you know, all my exes helped me to get over it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you kept yourself busy over there then. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I've, I've worked in the NHS for many years and I've worked in computing as well. Are you retired now? Yes, I, I'm doing... Uh, I keep myself busy providing maths tuition to uh, students. Oh, so you I give maths grinds, do you? Yes, because, you know, uh, maths... Um, if I got a pound for every time somebody said, I was never any good at maths. You know, I'd be, I'd be able to run off to Mexico and open the... I office. was never any good at maths. And even you, nor all of the grinds that my poor mother and father paid for, made a blind bit of difference. But why do you think that was, Neil? Why? Where are my teachers? Where are my teachers were crap. My, <laughs> not my fault at all, it was the teachers. Yes, of course. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Be- maybe because it. it was boring? Uh, possibly, yes, yeah. And you, maybe you had a flair for something else, like talking, telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> the maths just weren't sexy enough for me, you know? Yes, of course. Theorems yeah, and equations. Yeah. No, I'm only winding you up. But I, your folks are past now, are they? Oh, yes, they're gone, yeah. My parents and uh, uh, many of my uncles. I still have a couple of aunts left. Um, May and Kathleen, yeah. And you know the two uncles that worked down the docks, are they still alive? No, they've sadly passed on as well to that great Docklands in the sky. Um, Paddy, Timmy Matthews, they were well known down the talks. Because you asked a question that prompted my original phone call, and the question was, did we ever do a program on the fellas and the nicknames of the people that worked down the docks? The answer to that is yes, and a great contributor to this program is the Wazzy, Stephen Hogan, who was a docker himself. Right, yes, he's on the list of nicknames that I remember, yes. Do you know why he was called the Wazzy? No, uh, I, I never did know. There's only a handful of nicknames that my uncles explained where they originated from. But the Wazzy, no. Well, the Wazzy, do you remember years ago, Bunny Carr had a show be the name of Quicksilver? Yes, indeed. Yeah, Bunny Carr, yeah. Yeah, and I'd say you would have been in Cork at the time. And Quicksilver <laughs> once was broadcast from Cork. Um, and the Wazzy was up trying to make some money on the show. You know, stop the lights and everything. Yes, yes. And one of the questions was, uh, can you name a female bee? <laughs> <laughs> he shouted, stop the lights, or something like that. <laughs> then he answered, I don't know, I don't know. We call him, we call, we call him Wazzies and Cock, anyway. Is it a Wazzie? Is it a Wazzie? Is it a Wazzie? <laughs> And the rest is history. Yeah, go on, yeah. <laughs> no, the rest is history. But you then rattled the off. Story, sorry, there is, have you heard the story about Neil, uh, sorry, um, Bunny Carr being out in Italy on holiday? And, oh, is it, is it broadcastable? It is, yeah, yeah. He was, he was mistaken for some heartthrob from the Italian cinema. And he was mobbed. <laughs> and he was mobbed and he couldn't understand what was going on. And eventually he escaped from the, the baying crowd. But he, he was the image of some Italian uh, actor. That ever happened to you? Uh, once I was in Tesco's in the King's Road and one of the girls said, 
you know, you look very familiar. Uh, and I said, really? Um, I thought, do I owe her money or something? And she said, you look like uh, a, a Turkish actor. Um, do you know him? Of course I said, no, I don't know him. That was my only uh, you know, claim to fame there. It's a bummer, isn't it? I'm constantly being mistaken for George Clooney. It's awfully annoying, like. <laughs> it really is, like. It gets me down. Yeah, that's a burden you've got to bear. I know, man. So, Chicky Chick, Paddy the Hat, oh, yeah. Father, go yes. through them anyway, because these, a lot of these are new ones to me. Yes, and, and this one there, I think, the this one, Seven Wives, I actually, I was intrigued by that one. When I asked my Uncle Timmy about that, he said because he had six daughters, <laughs> right? Um, so, <laughs> being young, I thought, six daughters, but they're, they're not his wife. Well, six daughters and one wife, yeah, he was under the thumb. <laughs> he was seven times <laughs> under the thumb. <laughs> and then you had uh, Big Dog and Small Dog, and I think that was because that family, the father and son, they used to keep uh, greyhounds. And so Big Dog was the father and Small Dog was the, his son, <laughs> and they worked on the dogs. So Seven Wives was one fella, another fella was Father of the Bride. Who was he? Father of the Bride. No, they, they never gave me the names of the, the behind the nicknames. They just said Father of the Bride. But but I suppose maybe that was nicked from, from a film with Spencer Tracy, perhaps. <laughs> okay, what, what else have you always got? talking about his, his daughter getting married. Paddy the Hat? Paddy the Hat. Paddy the Hat sounds like Paddy. a contract killer, doesn't he, from uh, the London he Underground? Does. Could you imagine a chappy wearing a trilby down the docks? Was you know? it a trilby? And, oh, yeah, it was a trilby, yes. <laughs> and, and you can imagine, like, you're down the hole and it's starting to rain and you want to, someone to throw you a bag down to cover your head and you shout up, Paddy the Hat, can you throw me a bag down? <laughs> I mean, and then <laughs> what the ship's crew thought of all these nicknames, I do not know. I know. Chicky Chick? Chicky Chick. Oh, there's that, that's a very stylish... That name has panache, doesn't it? Chicky Chick. Yeah, Chicky Chick. You know, I'd love to know. Who, I, I have a feeling that he was a very uh, short man uh, from Spangle Hill area. Because many of, the, many of the dockers came from the north side. Spangle Hill, Gorner Broher, Churchfield. Was it predominantly a north side profession then? Yes, I mean, I, I can't imagine there were many from the likes of Ballin Colleagues, Ballin Lock, and places like that. But uh, uh, maybe your listeners. You'd have, no, you'd have no dockers from the Black Rock Road, like. Yeah, exactly, yes. I mean, they might have walked down there with their dogs, but they, they didn't actually they probably, walk there. Yeah, they probably owned the companies that the dockers worked uh, for. Indeed. Yeah, Doyle's, wasn't it? Wasn't that's Doyle's, right, that's right. Medley, Doyle's, Ronane's, big companies still around today. Yeah. Jimmy No Talk. <laughs> when I hear of that nickname, I just thought of a man who didn't want to talk to anyone. Don't bother me, I'm working. You know, I'll only talk when I get back to the pub later. It's amazing that your 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 uncle passed on these names too, wasn't it? Oh yes, they were always talking about the characters and they would talk, uh, you know, with affection about those characters because nicknames are a sort of term of endearment, aren't they? That's right. And that's um, why a term of endearment makes sense when you hear somebody's nickname, Handsome Johnny. Handsome Johnny, yes, exactly. You know, uh, 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 Con the Beast. Two chickens and a chop. Two chickens and a chop. That's probably somebody boasting about a sumptuous meal that he'd had the evening before and just couldn't stop talking You don't it. eat two chickens. You don't eat chickens with chops anyway, but two chickens <laughs> yes. with a chop. Yes, yes. 
uh, and you know my my nickname on on Twitter is Flinty McCurty, and um, <laughs> people have asked me where did that come from. I said, well. Uh, McCarthy is actually the layout of the keys on your keyboard. That's right. it, it has a it has a ring to it, Flinty McCarthy. <laughs> and it's his girlfriend, Dirty McCarthy. <laughs> you guys named a boat actually. You had a competition over there for a boat. And the boat ended up being called Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a nickname? I don't know, not to my face anyway. I had, well, a I, I, I had a nickname when I was a kid. When I was a kid, and in yeah, my teens, they used yeah. to call me Nelly, and then that and then yeah. that moved on to Nelly the Elephant. So from time to time, <laughs> fellas in the man who didn't want to be kind would sing Nelly the sure, Elephant. Went sure. to town and said goodbye to the circus. Um, <laughs> I was called uh, Joe Bass. Joe, after that film, the Joe, Bass after the Scalp Hunters character. Bass as in the drink, or bath as in the bath. Uh, bass is in the drink or okay. the fish. Okay. Yes. Another one here. See my fridge. See my fridge. Yeah, that that uh, must have been uh, a chap who bought a, a wonderful fridge for a lot of money and just couldn't stop boasting about it. You should see my fridge. <laughs> see my fridge. <laughs> Jed, Sharky, Jed. Tosh, Jimmy Ducks. Jimmy Ducks, yeah. Uh, you know, that's a wonderful nickname. Uh, and, and again, Jimmy No Talk. Yeah, and handsome Johnny. It's it's almost like I doubt if they, those men were called Jimmy or Johnny, but they were christened with those names. And I wonder if they answered to them. In the oh, book. you can be sure that you can be sure that. Did you see the play Dockers? No, I haven't. No, who was in that? Oh, all of the Dockers were in it. All of the Dockers. Oh, right. It was right, absolutely yeah. terrific. It ran in the Father Matthew Hall. I saw it oh. there. I believe it ran in the Everyone Marion Wyatt put it on. A fantastic production. Um, yeah. You know, it may you may well. I don't know whether they filmed it. They might have done. If you uh-huh. if you if you get out your McQuirty there and Google yes, Dockers, yeah. you might find some uh, some clips of it. I found a pound. I found a pound. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody? I found a pound on the ship. You know, and bragging about it. Maybe a pound was a lot of money back then. Oh, my God. You uh, must have, it was a pound note. I it was big pound. money back then. You must have had great chats with your uncles, though, did you? Oh, absolutely. You know, sitting around the fire, telling us stories. And, and my uncle Timmy in particular, he had lots of those sage sayings. And one of his favorites was, if money doesn't do it, nothing else will. <laughs> He's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> it does make life that little bit more comfortable. Is, is, the other thing is, uh, I don't know, maybe you can correct me, is there no sort of plaque or monument to the doctors? Well, the Wazi, well, the Wazi and a group have come together and they're looking ah. for funding and agreement from City Council to put some Lovely. sort of sculpting and some sort of yeah. a memorial to the dockers down the Keys, yeah. particularly with all of the development that's being proposed down there. Yeah. So hopefully that yeah. will happen. Did your it's uncles actually, have any nicknames? Uh, if they did, they never told us. That's interesting. And so your listeners may have to, to call in with what uh, Timmy and, and Paddy Matthews' nickname, nicknames were, the, because they never told us. There's lots more. Johnny Hawks is another one. He obviously kept yeah, birds. Yeah, yeah, they probably nicked that from a film with um, Kurt, uh, not Kurt, uh, Kirk Douglas. 
right. played a character called uh, Johnny the Hawks, which has a lovely ring about it. Let's see if we can find Cork's best nickname, shall we, or other ones like yes, that. It'd be a lot yes. of fun, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. Listen, lovely talking to you, Flinty McQuirty. Thanks for listening. <laughs> St- stay in touch. I may come back to you Thank again you in the future. Cheers for now. Lovely morning. All the best. Bye-bye. 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 Back after Bye. 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Alright, Photo Wildlife Park opened yesterday Seamus was down there amongst the visitors and also the um, inhabitants Um, and I have family passes to give away every day this week two uh, family passes for a visit for you and the family courtesy of yourselves and Photo Wildlife Park so we'll do callers 10 and 11 later on this morning when I open the phone as you're listening out for this cue to call do you know what this is? It's not a walrus, no, and it's not an elephant. It's actually a lion. So when you hear that again... I mean, are are there lions in photo? I know there are tigers down there. Tell you how long I've been been since I've been down there. When you hear that again, it is a lion. Uh, Text or get on the phone one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. But yesterday, of course, we had uh, a lot more reopenings. You heard there, Michael McGrath, kind of not dismissing, but not confirming that there would be an announcement regarding uh, inter-county travel. At the end of, well, on Thursday, we'll have to just wait and see if that happens. They're considering it. But uh, for now, of course, you can do a little bit more now than you could last week. And amongst them, Photo Wildlife Park reopened to the public for the first time in many months yesterday morning. And by all accounts, the public flocked to Photo Wildlife Park in their droves. Seamus Whelan was there to talk to those lucky enough to get a ticket to enjoy the site. As apparently numbers are limited to ensure social distancing or what have you. And that's good. But everybody there with the wonderful weather yesterday had an absolute ball. I've been coming here since I was a kid, so it's just so nice to see it open again. You know, we were really worried about it for a while, but it's just such a great place. It does great work, so thrilled to be back. Yeah, Yeah, we signed up as members. We've bought as many tickets as we can. Very excited to be back. <laughs> delighted. Delighted to be back. <laughs> In the nice weather. <laughs> and I think the guys behind you are delighted as well to see they're, you. <laughs> they're all out welcoming us back. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, have you missed it all these months? Yeah, yeah, we're both card holders, so it is lovely to be back as members and supporting it as well and stuff, so it's great. And are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> and what are you looking forward to seeing today? What are your favourite animals here? Um, the giraffes. The giraffes. And is there anything else you like? The lions. The lions. What about the monkeys? And I like the monkeys. Oh, and do you know what sound the monkeys do? What? <laughs> <laughs> I miss. The monkeys and the eagles. You know, we've done a lot of, we've gone to the woods, we've done a lot of beach walks, we've done a lot of stuff like that, so that's been good. But it's, it's listen, it's nice that, you know, he's only nearly two and it's good for him to see it. He hasn't been here that he can remember, you know. So no, it's, it'll be good. It's, it's nice to have it back. It's a treat. 
my little girl is two today sweeping the quota. So it's looking great, great to see the animals. Good. I booked last Monday, so we got the first slot, so we were delighted. Yeah. It's just it's such a great amenity and so good to be back. Yeah. Um, it's good to be outside, I guess, in the sunshine as well. You've got a good morning for it. Bit of normality? Yeah, <laughs> bit of normality. <laughs> yeah. And have you been to Porta before? Yeah. Yeah, many yeah. times. Outside. Yeah. And what is it about Porta that brings you back here? It's animals. Love yeah. being around nature, love being around animals. And we've got a small fella now, so it's important for him to be learning about animals and how to treat them right and care for them. She was born during lockdown as well, so I suppose it's a some bit of normality for her. You know, some of the usual things that we all would have done when we were small, so it's nice that she can get to do those as well, you know. A lot of people are stressed out with the pubs opening, and it's about the kids getting back. Kids deserve to be out before everyone. Well, Fos is a real example of how zoo should be run, so we're you know, really happy to be able to come back and support it. Once, once we realised they were opening again, we thought we'll get season, we'll get season tickets and you know, come down at least four times a year. Brilliant. I think it's great for the animals and it's great for I don't, people to get out and about and be outdoors. Um, and for kids, it's lovely to see them running around, actually acting a bit normal again, I think. Um, so yeah, I think it's great for the park to be opened. It would be terrible if it had to, had to close because of lack of people coming. Um, so yeah, and a beautiful day for it. It's beautiful down here. It's fabulous. It's just, it's all done up lately and we just get to see the beauty of it and see the animals again. What do you think, Dee? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. Delighted to be back. Long may it last. Long may it last. And fingers crossed for the summer. chosen sunshine song today Brian Adams and the summer of 69. Now there were and probably still are a pride of Asian lions at Photo Wildlife Park featuring the 8 year old, and this is from some time back but uh, found this in a Google, the 8 year old male Shanto who came to the zoo from Santillana in Spain. Two sisters Jira and Jita, both six at the time, came from Helsinki Zoo in Finland to the Asian Sanctuary in 2016 and there are four females, Re. Rian, Ravi and Rani all born at Photo Wildlife Park so a cute call just before midday and a couple of family passes to take the family down for a day to Photo Wildlife Park um, Morning, I wonder if there can be any discussion on your programme regarding the number of camper vans in Garrettstown at the weekend there were 67 along, alone in front of the beach on Sunday morning taking up all of the spaces for people who just want to avail of the beach for a swim uh, and not for a caravan site for which is what it was being used for. I do wonder if this is an issue on other beaches. I'm aware that people want to travel now that they can, but should the camper vans wait until the sites are open? Is it allowed for them to take up parking spaces like this? I don't know whether it's legal or not, or whether there are signs there saying no camper vans, but if there aren't and somebody has a camper van, I would imagine that they're entitled to strike off west or strike off east and find somewhere to park up uh, and to stay in their camper van for a weekend. I, I mean, like, I probably discommodes others who want to get there, but I don't see anything technically wrong with it myself. But your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Um, you need to remind people that two people can meet outside since the last announcement. Remember, prior to that, it was two people who could meet from different households for the purpose of exercise. Is that related to having a keg in the back garden, two families in the back garden? Uh, people letting loose around town is a big indication that public toilets are sorely needed. There's not one accessible public toilet in the city centre. Outside the current events, I can't go out with my other half at times because he has irritable bowel. If 
if there were toilets, then he would have much more confidence when heading out. And so say all of us. But it's a bit like uh, Tim Lucy, the boss of the county this morning, saying that if he hit his way, he would have no bins whatsoever. I don't know what his thoughts are about public toilets. I mean, he might be suggesting people should hold on to it until you go home. But it always, I always wonder why somebody said, somebody would say something like, if I had my way, there would be no bins. Did you ever see bins that are full? And then people leave all sorts of rubbish around the full bin. Surely be to God that would suggest if the bins were bigger, etc., etc., etc. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Keep those texts coming on nicknames and I'm also getting ones on people who are dead ringers for others, people who are the bulb off and other characters. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Will you please stop using the word students and house parties in the same breath? You do it all of the time. It's a lot more than students having house parties. And then from yesterday on a lighthearted note, I was talking about lapsy pa. If you had a touch of the lapsy pa's, I was asking what you guys thought it meant. It's a cork thing. Uh, interesting text says, lapsy pa is being away with the fairies. Is lapsy, if you have lapsy pa, it's like he's a bit of a God help us. He's a bit of a God help us. He's a touch of the lapsy pa's, as in a bit of an Egypt. So thank you for that one. Um, I want to go back to some phone calls and just ahead of the call with Lucia, just three texts that are kind of related to what she wants to talk about. My daughter is in the school in Yall with the 11 uh, COVID outbreaks. She's very upset about this. Shame on the parents who let their so-called angels attend this party. Sickening carry on. I'm not sure if you're aware of the situation in Yall. I am. But the school is cancelled. Local GA and rugby clubs have been suspended. In fairness, the guards did intervene. Such was the seriousness of the outbreak of COVID from a cluster believed to be directly caused from a birthday party held last weekend. You know that photos and videos of the said party were posted on Facebook, but then quickly removed at the weekend. I believe there are many people waiting now to be tested locally in y'all. Could you please ask the at-risk people in the area to be extra careful? They may not be aware of the situation. It's my hope these people hosting the party are prosecuted for the hurt and damage they've caused by their selfish, idiotic, irresponsible behaviour. It's a disgrace, says an irate irate local. It wasn't bad enough that it was a house party where the residents of the house attended, but lots of others were invited. Uh, Also, Neil, on the uh, Yall house party, a lot of the kids' sports that were due to start back yesterday, like athletics, GAA players, soccer players had their sessions cancelled in town and the surrounding townlands. It's a disgrace and the parents have a lot to answer for allowing it to go ahead. The parents who let their children attend what can I say? Another huge setback and it has now affected innocent little kids who were, out, who were so looking forward to sports from yesterday. I would love to see some fines handed out for this. So a selection of texts on that to 0868 104 106 but to the phones we go. Lucia, good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm well, but uh, how is your dad? Is your dad in, in Marymount? He is in Marymount at the moment, yes, yeah. Okay. Um, he, he, I suppose that's a difficult situation to talk yeah. about at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah he, he's, he, I suppose he, he's very sick, you know. Um, yeah, he, he's very sick at the moment. Okay, yeah. Let, let's, let's rewind a bit. Unfortunately, um, he caught COVID, didn't he? Yeah, so he went into hospital with, um, he had an infection. He has an underlying lung condition, um, pulmonary fibrosis. Yeah. Um, and he went into hospital with an infection. He was supposed to come home, but unfortunately, his oxygen didn't arrive home, so he couldn't. Um, so he stayed in there over Christmas, which we thought he would be safest in there. And unfortunately, he caught COVID in there. In CUH? Um, in CUH, yes. Yeah, yeah, in the, in the, uh, the respiratory ward. Um, and from there on really is when it kind of went very downhill. Um, 
you know, there were six other men in his ward with him. And unfortunately, dad was the only one that actually, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to get him home eventually. Um, obviously, under circumstances where he was now on full time oxygen, and um, we'll say walking to the bathroom would be extremely difficult even at at one point drinking a cup of tea would be difficult you know he would find it hard to eat because obviously swallowing and eating and taking a breath at the same time is very difficult okay so this Um, was when he was in cuh was that january yeah so he got um so the first of january is when we got the call to say that he's probably going to test positive for covid okay um it was a nurse one of the nurses that obviously caught it through what i don't know you know maybe she caught it in the hospital or whatever i don't know who exactly brought it into the ward um, and all the men in his ward got it. Now, they were all ranging from, we'll say, 60s to 90s. Um, but, I mean, they were men that were, like, you know, walking about the place and doing their own bits and pieces, just normal men carrying on normally. But, unfortunately, when COVID took over them, none of them made it home. And the hardest thing is we couldn't we couldn't see him at all. We couldn't visit him at all. And what I find the most distressing about people you know, kind of almost acting disrespectful is the fact that, you know, they feel like they're entitled to, we'll say, like, they're so excited about the pubs, and I get it, we all want a life, but, like, there's people in hospital at the moment can't even see their families while they're while they're passing away. I mean, you I can't, know, I can't skirt or, I can't skirt around this because it is just so important to say and tragic to have to even mention it, but your dad was in a ward with six other men. There were seven in the ward. They all contracted yes. COVID, and the other six men passed away. Yeah, and unfortunately, he had to watch that. Like, he he was beside one of, you know, he, he had to watch all this going on. Like, he, he witnessed all of them passing away. You know, and he made friends with them. Like, you know, it, it, it really it caused him so much post-traumatic stress. It, it, there's not just a medical side to this. Like, COVID, for all, even the staff in CUH, for the staff in anywhere, even in Marymount at the moment, like, they're all working so hard and doing so much to keep all the patients safe inside and there and then you just have people almost like I I, to, I have two kids my husband is in Syria for six months I want a life as much as anybody else but you know we're not entitled to it just because we're younger like it's it's not fair to make the elderly people around us feel like they're fearful to leave their house like yeah. I just don't understand it um, yeah. they, there's so much um, psychological side to COVID for people it's it just stresses me out thinking about it um, just because it, it hit our doorstep. Um, and like my dad was a fit man, like he was working away on houses with my brother. Um, you know, he was constantly building, doing things before he went into hospital. Um, it's not like he was, you know, you know, not. it's not like he was debilitated or anything like that. He wasn't. It, like it totally took over. Yeah, he was always working, fit, strong man, 71 years of age. Um and is he's home now with oxygen? Is is that the case? No, he's in Marymount now. Sorry, he was but didn't, home. But did he go home for a period of time? Yeah, we had him home for about two months. Okay. I would say. Okay. Um, and, and, and how is he? How is he now? Because you can visit now. Um. Well, you can't. Re- we weren't allowed to visit. Um. There's still quite a lot of restrictions on that. So up until Sunday, my mother got to go in on Sunday, and just as the situation has kind of changed. Um in the last few days, we are now able to visit. Um, we're prioritised to visit at the moment, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still quite a lot of restrictions in terms of, you know, they, they really just prioritise, we'll say, like my mother, his wife. Um, and after that, then they, they would kind of see. But there is quite still a lot of restrictions on. You can't really visit, like, and you would be gowned up, you'd have gloves, you have a visor, you have a mask. Um, obviously, it's there to protect 
them and to protect the staff and to protect everyone. But, you know, they're, they're still, they're patients like that are sick and that are passing away and they don't get to enjoy, like, you know, their family's presence, like, in in their, their final days of life. And yet then there's people out there think that they're entitled to carry on the way they're carrying on and, and put other people's lives at risk. It's almost like they're not thinking, like, I'm only 29, I'm turning 30 in May and I do not under any circumstance feel like I'm entitled to just go out and do what I want just because it's not going to affect me. But we remember also the men who did pass away in circumstances where they passed away in a hospital without their loved ones around them in January, of course. Well, yeah, so my men that were in the hospital with my dad, they would have all, well, the majority of them would have all unfortunately passed away without their family being able to be beside them. They would have just been able to go in afterwards. And that that could have very well been us as well. And that's what I just find is... You know, we're so grateful that we did get the chance, even though it did, it, you know, he would have had a much better quality of life mm. if he didn't get COVID. But mm. we're grateful also that we got the chance because those other families, unfortunately, they didn't get the chance to even get, get yes. them home. Yeah. You know, and that's still happening. Like, that's not that's not as if it's just disappeared because you know, things are easing or whatever. Like, it's, it's not like that's disappeared. That's still happening. And talk to me about, um, about issues involving post-traumatic stress. Are you saying that this has had a, a, a post-traumatic effect on your dad, the other men in the war? Oh, 100%. Dying? 100%, yeah. Um, like, complete worry, anxiety, um, like, claustrophobia, like, not wanting to be alone, which, you know, obviously breaks our heart because at the moment... He is alone inside in, in Marymount. Now, he's around the, the best of the best. They're absolutely fantastic up there. But it, it, there's, like, fear around everything, even just because of the breathlessness that he would get, like, fear when walking, you know, to the toilet or just fear of eating. Um, then, obviously, fear from watching, you know, or seeing what happened to the other men. He has a fear of that for himself. Um, it, it's complete. Like, and it also, I don't, I don't believe it's just affecting patients. Like, the, the staff are watching this twenty four seven, so it has to be affecting them. Mm. I, I think the post traumatic stress is probably the biggest thing that actually took over him because he was never a man that worried. He was, ne- you know, he was never a man who would always just be like, oh, "I'll get on with it." Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's fine. So, I, I think that's actually the psychological side of it is probably the worst side. Um, of it. So, when you see or hear stories or, you know, maybe even see with your own eyes people gathering, certainly like over last weekend and many other weekends. How does that make you feel? You hear of house parties and you all closing down the community. It doesn't bother me, like, obviously, like, people meeting in their bubble and, you know, going out to the beach and doing that kind of thing. But it's like, you know, those pictures where, like, there's, like, like, there must be hundreds of people. I don't know, was that in Salt Hill or wherever I saw that, that video? It was Salt and, Hill, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't understand that. Like, do do not any one of them think that they're affecting someone, you know? Aren't, um, they, aren't, like they, the, aren't they much safer outdoors? Well, no, because what about, let's say, um, was it the lock there recently that it, yeah. that it happened in as well? What about the elderly people that live in the lock that want to go outside their door, but they can't because everyone else thinks they're entitled to just mm. be outdoors and do what they want? Mm. Everyone, well, mo- the majority of people have a back garden. There's plenty of other places to go. If you see that the place is jointed with people, then why not just drive on and find somewhere else to go? Um, wh- why make it fearful for the people who live in that town or even the situation that you were talking about in Yall? What about all the people there who have underlying conditions and not just the elderly, like, you know, this can affect anyone. Um, why is it fair to make them feel afraid? Are we not over live? the worst of it now, though? 
Um, maybe for the people who are never affected by it, but not the people who have have been affected yeah. by it. I, yeah. I don't believe that, that that they'll ever get over the worst of it. You know, um, like unfortunately, my my dad's both his brothers passed away um, in the last two years as well, and he has a sister as well, and you know it feels like it's just. He, he can't even have us around him, not to mind his brothers aren't around. Um, his sister can't visit him at the moment. You know, it, it's it's not, I don't think, yes, it, well, I don't know, does anybody know are we over the worst of it? I don't think we'll be over the worst of it. It's like, no, not all of us are vaccinated. Mm. Um, so, I mean, would it not be better to just wait to kind of, I don't know, let loose like that when everyone is vaccinated and everyone feels a bit safer. But I'm probably being a bit paranoid and I, I don't I'm not like judgmental on it. It's just because it has hit our doorstep. I would hate to see anyone else go through it. I know what you're saying. I would hate yeah. to see anyone else yeah. to have to feel or not be able to see their family members. We, we, need to, we, we need to bear in mind that people are still very ill. Yes. As, as, yes. as a consequence of maybe something that they got in the in the January wave or what have you yes or maybe yes, even longer exactly yeah. there's still people suffering from that there's probably still people in hospital from that um, you know we we were extremely lucky that we we got him that we got my dad home and I suppose I just want to say it on behalf of him because he didn't deserve this and neither does anybody else you know like and I feel like at Christmas well this is my thoughts on it like everything was eased off purely for money reasons I think you know the government eased it off so that people would go spend their money in the shops at Christmas and it was just the worst thing because chances are he probably wouldn't have got we did absolutely everything we could for the last year and a half to make sure that he wouldn't get it like my husband was also in the Lebanon um, for nine months when the pandemic first hit and I mean I didn't see any of my family until those restrictions were eased where we could meet once outdoor. I saw nobody and we did that purely for him. But then we had we a spike after Christmas, yeah, because of uh, uh, restrictions being lifted as they were. Without, with, I mean, there's over a million have had the first dose now. Of course, at yeah. Christmas time, there was none of this. There wasn't a vaccine on the horizon. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I mean, okay. I suppose we did absolutely everything we could. But yes, it's the people out there who weren't doing what they should because they don't realise the effect it would have on. Like, there were seven men there you know, and six of them, their families, did, so, you know, there's, their, know. their families suffered the consequences of whatever mistake was made wherever, you know, to bring the virus in. I know, but hopefully um, Dad will be home strong and safe and well again at some time in the future. Yes, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, well, that's it really. I just, I suppose it just gets on my nerves sometimes to see it, but I don't mean to be judgmental or anything like that. It's just, I, I want to stand up for my dad too and I want to stand up for all the other men or women or anybody else who is sick or even sick from anything else, like, you know, cancer patients and all that. Like, they're in hospital. They can't have people visit them like usual. They're on their own. They're suffering another side to things. They're suffering mentally, not just physically. Okay, we need to be reminded of that. Thank you so much, Lucia. Appreciate you taking no the call. A lot no of emails to neil at redfm.ie. Um, here's one in particular. Hope you're well. I am, thank you. We worked doing deliveries for Deliveroo in the car. We were in town Saturday evening. We were parked on the coal cave. I was in the car while waiting for my partner to collect food from an establishment in the area. We were delivering for Deliveroo. There was a large group around, which I have no problem with, but then one man po- crossed the street 
went down a side alley and uh, backed into a doorway and proceeded to go to the toilet. I was totally shocked. The amount of people using the same place for toilets is unbelievable. It's only around the corner from the Bridewell Garda station. It's a shameful and it's disgusting. This city has gone to the dogs. I'm in my 30s myself. Like to socialize when I can. But it's a disgrace what I see happening in the city and in town now. Please don't give out my details. And I was saying yesterday that sometimes maybe I look at things through romantic or rose-tinted glasses. But when you hear of stories like that or people witness things like that, it's completely different. Um, I was in Fitzgerald's Park uh, on Sunday and I watched this man come along. Sorry, yesterday. I was in Fitzgerald's Park yesterday. I watched this man come along and take out his phone to video the kids. At first I thought his child was playing uh, and I watched as he zoomed in on kids playing. When he was finished, he walked off with another man and they had no kids. I knew it felt wrong uh, and I wanted to say it to him, but if I did, I probably would have been called racist. Even this morning, I still feel sick about it because no man should be allowed to come into a playground area and video the kids. If the council wanted to check this person, they can see it on the cameras between half past three and ten to four. Um, can't come on air. I wouldn't feel comfortable coming on air, but I do hope you share it. People need to be vigilant and parents need to be aware. Another email here, just to, to touch on the places allowing takeaway drinks. I took my son into the city centre yesterday evening to get an ice cream after dinner. I was shocked at the scenes. Our beautiful city was filthy, with cups rolling around the Grand Parade. The amount of people falling around drunk had me totally shook. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, aren't we? The groups of people sitting all over the streets drinking, not a mask in sight. There was even a fist fight. So since when is drinking on the streets legal? And why are people destroying our streets with their litter from their takeaways and their takeaway drink? Uh, Anthony says, I can see the country as a whole are now in a false sense of security regarding COVID because of vaccinations and possible openings, opening up. That'll be a huge mistake. Yeah, sure, we should open up, but open up slowly. The government have been leaking stupid items of information to the public recently regarding their reopening strategy. There's been a number of big outbreaks lately, supported by figures released nightly. This government are really so weak, it's not even funny. It's a pity the orangutan hadn't a better aim in Dublin Zoo yesterday. You referenced the fact that the Taoiseach was there. Um, I heard you mention that you may be giving away family passes for photo. My story is that my wife and I are looking forward to our families visiting us from Dublin when the restrictions are easing later on this year. We have three families and seven grandchildren and would like to show them what real wildlife parks look like. We haven't seen our families for months and look forward very much to showing off the county of Cork and what it has to offer. Offer. Thanks a lot, Neil. Keep up the good work, says Mick O'Hearn. If, if you're doing that, and if I had loads to give away, I would gladly give you a couple of family passes, to be honest with you, Mick, but I just don't have that many to do that. But I tell you what, if you are planning uh, at some stage in the future, maybe, I don't know, I mean, could be very soon when they open into county it might be a good idea to book in advance because it's booking only with restricted numbers of photos. So I just wouldn't rock up on the day, if you know what I mean. Anyway, back after the break. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Ah, uh, this is just infuriating. Could you please ask the person that robbed my wallet from my car last night on Blarney Street to please return it? 
They can throw it in the driveway or the post office or something, anything. It's been reported to the guards and the cards and stuff are cancelled, so they're no good to them. But there are a few items like my daughter's first ultrasound from 12 years ago and a few other memory bits in that wallet that are worth more to me than bank cards and stuff would ever be. I mean, isn't that just so frustrating and furious? You get so angry. Obviously, somebody broke into the car, took the wallet. Now we can say things like, don't believe in your wallet, because I know all of that. But it happened. Um, and, you know, it's not the money and it's not the cars. It's the stuff you have in your wallet, which is irreplaceable. I hope that this shadow makes a difference and that somebody might know who robbed the wallet or know where it is or maybe came across a discarded wallet. Hopefully with, um, you know, the personal items still in it. Get in touch with me. Text 0868104106. And a big thank you on behalf of Sarah. She says, could you please say a huge thank you to the staff and especially the management and the owners of Seamus O'Reilly's garage in Blackpool, who went above and beyond with a very delicate situation that I faced yesterday afternoon. Now, Sarah doesn't say what it was and it's personal and private, but whatever it was, uh, she prom- was prompted to text me because the way that she was uh, dealt with and handled and looked after and facilitated or whatever by Seamus O'Reilly's garage in Blackpool, uh, she just wanted to say thank you. And they are great people there. I get my car washed there and stuff like that and pick up a bit of Chester cake when it's on the shelf. They're good people, the heart and soul of Blackpool. So well done to them for whatever you did. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Actually, not straying too far from motor cars, to be honest with you. Fiona, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Do you have statistics to back up that young people are failing uh, the driving test? I mean, is there even driving testing at the moment? Um, well, uh, there is driving tests at the moment, as far as I know. No, it's not a statistic that I said that I was bringing in about. It was more so about the markings and saying that no wonder that they are failing because of it. Um, I only just some personal experience is all I could speak Just move around a little bit there. we got to try and get a better line. Personal experience, yeah, yeah that's what I'm interested yeah. in. Go ahead. And personal experience. Now, yeah. what it was is my own son a few years back um, did because of uh, poor road marking. And it was made, his one was by CIT. But it was the reason why I rang in last week was because I was out by the Sarsfields Road roundabout coming, say, from Mahan towards it, coming down the slip. And I've noticed that each time that I had been that way that there are no road markings on that turn to go underneath the bypass. It's it's terrible. So there was actually um, a person in front of me that had come down the hill from the test centre, came out onto that junction and was carrying on. And I was sent to go to help this poor child or whatever, adult, that they're doing their test and it's so hard already as it is without come across the obstacle that there is no road markings there. So if it's just such a busy, busy area and this is there for a long time because my own son is nearly over four years, five years past his driving test, but my own daughter is coming up as well. And but did he fail it the first time he did? He did, yeah. And was he told by the tester it was because of not obeying road markings or straying across was, the road? Yeah, one of them was a, was a road marking and that particular one was um, on the, the junction by CIT where you turn right So why do the testers CIT. use a road that doesn't have proper markings on it? Why don't the testers, is it? Why do they? It's not fair. Oh, I don't know. There was on that day, there was like two um, lines together. So it was like an older line and a newer line, a stop line. And... Um, because he said he was unsure of which one to stop at. He stopped at one of them anyway, and obviously that wasn't the one that that particular tester wanted him to stop at. And they put that down as their 
their strike, whatever, how many marks it's that just, you get. For, yeah, so are you yeah. sure it's not just, we, we get, I get confused, particularly, I mean, you get confused with lanes, particularly flyovers and yeah. going under bridges. You know, the lanes change and the Kinsale Road roundabout and stuff like that. It can be, sometimes you just have to be on top of your game. You don't think that's just yeah. what it is, no? No, this is just genuinely road markings. If anybody is out there and have a look as you're driving along, there are no road markings as if you are definitely on the spot. If you're coming from Mahan, say, going down the slip to go under the the overpass, the road markings are completely gone. So they're mainly gone in one section and then they appear again on another section. And did you see a young fella doing his test? I did. There was a guy in front of me and I, I was just, I was only wishing him well in my own head, but saying, I hope, you know, that the things are better than, but in that particular area, as I said, from the junction where the test centre is, yeah. the markings are very poor, you know, and that's not fair, especially that is a very, very busy area. And obviously on a daily rate, what, you know, how many people are going through it, doing their test. How do you know he was you know? doing his test? Did someone have a clipboard or something? Well, or? I presume that he was doing his test. I I can't I don't know whether he was or not. As I said, it was just a, an observation that I'd made on the day, and I just decided just to pass it on to you. You know, but, yeah, but yeah. this is the route where the kids or people are doing their test, and you know that surely of all places, the the lines, the markings on the road should be way better in that area than area than what they good are. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'd be interested to know whether under current circumstances whether they are actually doing driving tests because you're in you're in maybe they are are they with masks um as far as i know it is for the people who already had had their test booked you had to have proof that your test was booked um and for you to do your for to continue your lessons so i presume if lessons are still going on that the testing is still going on because there's... I'll check that out because I'd say it, there's yeah. an added anxiety if there, if somebody is being doing a driving test for the first time and they have a tester in the car with them and if, and you have mask on and the tester has a mask... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's added anxiety and stress then, isn't there? There would be. There like. is. And they have to leave their windows down now, I think, as well and no um, air conditioning on or something as well. Um, ah, so they are testing. So, the yeah, there must be. Yeah. There must be. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Appreciate. It. Thanks for your observation. That's what it's all about. Cheers, Fiona. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Have a good Bye day. Guys. Thank you. Uh, I was saying yes. I left my phone at home. We were chatting about that. Uh, I was using my ex-boyfriend's phone to call someone a few years back. He had a girl's name saved with a heart emoji next to it. I couldn't help because I had to investigate further. I searched his messages. He was was having a full-blown affair with her, and I had no idea, all from picking up her ex-boyfriend's phone. Uh, Because of the fine weather, I decided to go into town with my wife and young family for a bite to eat and some ice cream. It was the first time in the city for months. Sorry to say... It will be my last time. I did not feel safe at all. There were some dodgy-looking characters walking around, some out of it. I felt I was watching mine and my family's backs constantly. One glaring problem was the complete lack of guards on the streets. Absolutely zero. What in the name of God are they doing every day? There should have been guards walking all over town, considering the weather and the crowds. They have no problem turning up in droves to the Debenhams workers. We had our food, we had some ice cream, we did one lap of town and got out of it. We didn't even risk the side streets. It's really, really sad, as all that was needed for a perfect day was visiting policing. Or, sorry, visual policing. But it was non-existent. Love the show. Hope you get a chance to read this out. So that would have been maybe Saturday or perhaps Sunday. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Frank, good morning. 
Ah, good morning, Neil. How Why is everyone given the kegman stick? Um, not everybody, actually. I would say if I was to call it, I'd say more people were in favour of what he's doing and support than giving him grief. Oh, no, most definitely. Well, I mean, from from what I was uh, listening to briefly yesterday as well as today, I mean, it, it just seems like a, a, this this poor guy is under attack uh, for, for just basically offering a business that all retail stores are basically doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, and um, would the retail stores also deliver? They would, wouldn't um, they? Look, I've gone onto a few of the online shoppings, and you can pretty much order. No, no I'm saying would 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 a bottle. Like where, like Tesco, Dunn's, Aldi, Super Value, Off License, they all deliver. Exactly. Like, I mean, I don't want to name any. I don't want to be that kind of guy. But um, yeah, you can pretty much order on your online shopping and get it delivered to your house, and uh, yeah, you you you're pretty much on your way. Um, but uh, even going into the shop, you can walk into the off-license, go buy yourself a couple of kegs of beer. Nobody's going to really limit you to what you buy. Uh, so if I had to go in there, buy myself 10, ca- 10 cases of beer, a couple of bottles of whiskey, leave, I mean, what what's the difference in phoning the keg guy to bring me a keg to my house? Um, so there, there's no really, uh, how can I say, hold on what you're buying in regards to alcohol. I know everybody wants to Yes, but fun. you see the establishment where you just bought it from, they hold a liquor license. That's the difference. Yes, for sure. Well, from from what I understand, he 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 wasn't really making a profit on anything that he was doing. The 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 customer was in in turn uh, buying the correct. He was selling it at he was selling it at the cost price that he bought it for, and was charging for the equipment. Exactly. So he was basically charging a, a, a rental boss service, if I could put it put it that way. Look, I, I don't condone uh, a keg of beer going to a house. I mean, what else is it going to be used for if a couple of lads are going to be drinking eight to ten pints a day? Uh, <laughs> Where were all of the COVID spikes um, in the last couple of months with regards to any house parties or people gathering? There, there was one y'all, of course, at the weekend. We know of that. But that seems to be that seems to be exclusively that one, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so so the, this guy's being ridiculed for for uh, offering a little bit of a service, but you know what? Anybody can really go and have a have a barbecue out in their yard with the ten cases of beers that they bought from one of the leading shopping centres, and they they're not being given any stick for it. So you know what? I mean, the, the parties are happening. I don't I don't do it myself. I mean, I've got a, a five year old daughter and my wife. We we keep in our own little bubble. Um, we try to follow the rules as much as we can. Because, you know what, if everybody had to just stick down, follow the rules, we'll be out of this quicker than, than we currently are going, you know? But do the rules not include dropping off kegs and all of the equipment to 20-somethings in a house? Look, I, I, don't, I don't see them as a essential uh, service, so I don't know why they haven't been... Um, cramped down on there but if if the, the guys are making some money well they, they're just trying to put food on their plates I don't condone it I mean I know there's a lot of other businesses that are operate, operating back door and uh, we, we're currently in the time where people are just trying to feed the families um, and and you you you've got to take your hats off to somebody for being able to put a meal on the table but um, if they're doing it illegally look it, it's not the, the, the right way to go about it Okay, my friend, appreciate your contribution. Have yourselves a good day. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 The guy that you buy your eggs from at the Douglas Farmer's Market on Saturday morning is a guy called Tom Clancy, the man selling the eggs there. 
from Ballycotton Free Range Farm. Thank you for that. And somebody given out then down in McCroom saying all of the pubs in McCroom are closed. None of them are doing click and collect, but yet they are up in the city. A texter says, there's always someone from McCroom given out about Cork City. And the day doesn't go by that I'm not called names and it comes with the territory. It doesn't bother me, actually. Um, I much I quite like it because it means that we must be pushing buttons. Avocados, some of avocados yesterday. Avocados are the least of our worries at these times. Are you an actual imbecile or what, lad? Question mark. There are those that think I am. Avocados came up in conversation yesterday and I was just telling you about the avocado wars that are taking place, particularly in South American countries and the drought that it's causing and the huge amount of trouble that the production and the plantation and the cultivation and the growing and the selling of avocados is having in particular communities. I passed that on for what it was worth. It was just one of those things yesterday. At least I wasn't talking about COVID 24-7. So avocados, at least, has nothing to do with COVID, right? Either way, we'll talk about whatever's on your mind. Brian's standing by. First up, Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, but you're not. The state of the lock. Are you out there in that area? Um, I'm just home for us, from us. Yeah, I try and get out in the morning from the, from the mindset. But surely it was and fine this morning and fine last night and everything. No, um, it, the rubbish was all over the green area at the city side of the lock. And um, you know the Fox photographs Fox. that you sent? Um, when was that from? This morning or yes? The, the first lot were from this morning. You're joking me. And uh, I think I sent four after that. That was from last Friday or thur- Thursday. And who will come along then and clean all that up? There's some poor fellow with the corporation with a a, track, with a tractor with a trailer. And he's, you know, he's going around picking that up. And yes, some bins are full, but there's bins not too far away that are empty. So people, you know, saying, you know, oh, if they had more bins, there's bins there, but it's not being used. Pizza boxes, broken bottles, cans, and the birds then are going through it and everything. And you have to look at it. You know, there's no respect. Yeah. You know. And that's every morning, is it? Um, it's, well, I went to Bellefihan Park a couple of mornings because I just couldn't face it. Like, you know, it's a beautiful spot. I love the lock and I'm not from Cork originally, I'm from Kerry. Yeah. And it's a beautiful spot, like, but to see it, disrespect it. And you're and seeing the after effects, you're not seeing it when they're there, of course, because you're in Balafihan, you come in the mornings. I go in the morning after I drop my daughter to school, it's just my my time, kind of the space. Of course you know, it is, I have a, a good time. I have a, daughter, I have a daughter with special needs, worried about her, she's back at school now, so... That's my. An why are you, hour why are you worried? Morning. Why are you worried? She has underlying problems as well. You know, she's a heart complaint. Well, it got fixed in 2011, but you have to be wary. You're you wary know, of COVID regarding her underlying COVID. conditions. Yeah, I can understand that. It's a parent's job to worry. Unfortunately, isn't it? It's a, all parents. So you know, I'm not the only one, and not just the special needs kids that are worried. You know. Because they can't go enjoy it. The lock is there for everyone to enjoy it. So on a daily basis then, it just gets cleaned up and um, they come back again. Cleaned up in the morning, they come back in the afternoon, whatever time they get up after having their hangovers or whatever. And they're all out there. I saw videos of them swimming in the, the lock, jumping around, messing. There's no two meters distance. And yes, 
I get it. They're frustrated and stuff like that. Go out, do it socially. Do it, you know, with their distance. But clean up after that. Leave no trace, yeah. yeah. There's nowhere to go to the loo out there, so it's not fit There's for purpose, really. You know. seen, heard it from people. You know, they've seen them. They have no respect. They go into the toilets. There's... And it's not just the boys. The girls are doing it too. So, you know, and I understand it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, bring a bag with you. Tim Lucy, Tim Lucy, the county manager this morning said, I don't know what the city manager's opinion on this is. I find out that if you this way, he'd have no bins at all. I've been suggesting they should have bigger municipal bins. You like the big Spanish ones. Would do you think they're, they're unsightly looking things, but they do the job? I, I t- it wouldn't make a difference if you had a skip there. No. They wouldn't do it. Okay. Okay. And then you'd be dragging in household people. You know, you'd the bins are there. So we're back to personal responsibility. So that you can so that you and others can enjoy the immunity for what it's there for. So everyone can yeah. enjoy it. I don't mind them sitting down having their drinks or whatever. But respect the place. Thanks, Deirdre. Mind yourself. Take care Thank for you now. Thank you so much. Back after 11, text 0868104106. Hi, it's Killian here. Weeknights from 10 with new music, some flashbacks and a bit of chit-chat as well. That's The Late Shift with me, Killian, on Quark's Red FM. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. This is Quark's Red FM. A couple of texts and then back to, uh, to calls again. Emails, I should say. Um, somebody doing business like the keg fella. This is just like me using my personal car as a taxi. Laws are laws and should be abided to, says uh, David. Um, and an interesting one: we had you had a guy, you had a guy on the show uh, the other morning complaining about the long queues at City Hall's vaccine centre a few days back. My observation on this: if people did the word, what they were told and turned up five minutes before their allotted time, there wouldn't be an issue. Many are arriving thirty to forty minutes ahead of their appointment, and it's clogging up the system. When they're told to go away and come back again, they won't. This is what led to the situation developing in the first place. Uh, don't give up my details. I work in the area. Now, I don't know whether you work in the area of vaccines or you work in the area of City Hall, but thank you all the same. I think this is lovely. Uh, she says, I'd be grateful if you could read this out this morning, but keep my identity private. I'm in my mid-50s and I'm out of work due to COVID. I'm living here in West Cork and I always would love to have worked with animals, especially dogs. I left school when I was 16 and I've worked hard doing different jobs, but I was always drawn to animals. I come from a farming background and still live on a farm, but I would love to go out to work every morning and enjoy my day. I would do anything from caring, walking, helping out with sick animals, etc. I'm still a fit person. I would love this opportunity. These are my contact numbers, Neil. If you could pass them on off air to anyone, if they'd like to contact me. Thank you. I listen to your radio show every morning. And she sends me on her numbers down west. So this is somebody who has a love of animals and would love to work and to help out, care for, walk, help out with sick animals. And that's what she would love to do. Anybody think she might fit the bill for something you have in mind? Do get in touch. Text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie and I can pass you on. Uh, or the gang will pass you on the details off air. Be great to make that happen, wouldn't it? Make somebody's dream come true. I'd love to be part of that. So if you can help, please do. Um, Jarrah standing by, so is Brian. First up, Martin, good morning. Hi, hi Liam, how are you? Um, and we've seen it when the weather is good, everything takes a change, not always for the better. Uh, you're talking about fly tipping. 
Hello. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's it's actually uh, I was listening to the show this morning. Yeah. on the press, and it's it's something that happened to me yesterday. I was just getting rid of a bit of clutter in the house. Right. Um, and I had a recliner seat. It's a metal recliner seat, not very big. No, it's like basically a deck chair with a kind of a material on it. So I went out to my local landfill here in Yall, and um, <clears throat> when I went in, expecting to pay maybe three or four euros. Uh, they wanted to charge me 19 euros to get rid of it. A lot of dosh for a chair. Yeah, just one one chair, you know what I mean? And, um, and like, I just said, look, there's no way I was going to pay 19 euros. Just on principle alone, I wouldn't pay it. But I brought it home with me again. But I was thinking about it after. I, it, you know, is there any one of the people are flight tipping? No, there's no excuse for flight tipping, I know. So somebody would say, oh, 19 euro, I'm not paying that. They bring it down a country boreen instead and throw it in a ditch. Exactly, that's that's my point. You know? Would it be the same if it was a couch? Would it be the same if it was a cooker or a fridge? No, I think they're free, aren't they, electrics? Well, yeah, I think electrical goods are free. Anyway, An old bed I mean, or something, a ma- you know, a mattress, yeah. things like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that's, uh, I suppose, the bigger the item, maybe there's no more of a charge on it. But, yeah. like, you know, I need, they really need, need to rethink the, the charges, you know. It's not an excuse to fly tip, clearly, but it's a, it's no. a, could be one of the reasons why. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, if I was that way inclined, instead of bringing it home, I'd, you know, drive out the country somewhere and just throw it in over a ditch or something like that, you know. I know what you're but, saying. Uh, I just thought it was, it was crazy, you know, the amount of money. When he, when he said 19 euros, I just said, he's joking me. Why don't you, know? you, like, what kind of nick is it in? I'm just curious, because you can set, people will buy anything now. Bizarrely, yeah, no. you'd be amazed what they would buy. Anything. I know, this, it wasn't, it was rusted away underneath, now it's been out, you know, in, in all sorts of weather for a long time, so it, it wouldn't have been worth even... Sell it as a refurb job. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> do you ever sell anything on yeah. buy and sell? Do you ever look at it, the stuff that people, they buy anything? It's unbelievable, yeah. It Empty is. picture yeah, frames, yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never even thought about that, no, to be honest, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it'd be worth it, I couldn't... I'd be embarrassed to put photographs of it up, you know. One of the reasons people fly tip items like that is because they won't pay the charges. In your opinion, the charges are too high. Yeah, they're just high. I mean, they'll have to rethink the whole the, the situation, you know, because yeah. otherwise it's just going to continue. They encourage know? people more. I wonder, is that the... Yeah. What do you make of people who just do the same with their black bags of rubbish then? Is that because they won't pay country clean annually to take their litter away? Or their junk well, away? yeah. Because, like, there's, there's definitely no excuse for that because... Even to go with a bag out, if you have a bag of rubbish, it's I think three or four euros to go into to the landfill. Yeah, gotcha. You know, which isn't a huge amount of money, and, you, and, and, and most people could afford to do that. You're stuck with it now. What's the plan? What are you going to do? I, I actually don't know. I don't know. I've got to do it. Give me a, maybe hacksaw. Give me a description it of it there, and I bet you someone will take it off your hands. Go on. Yeah. It's kind of a check black and grey with a lot of rust and, and metal part of it. <laughs> But uh, that's about it, really. You're not selling it to me. You're not selling it to me, but we'll see if anybody is interested. Yeah, okay. Cheers, Martin. Good luck. Take care. Geraldine, good morning. Good morning, Amy. Geraldine, tell me about this horrible experience. What happened? Um, We were sitting out in the face of our house last night, and my grandchildren, we mind our grandchildren, and my son was taking his nephew over to the other son. And the dog always goes for a walk with him. 
No, he wasn't on the lead. He never needed a lead because he stopped when you say stop. Yeah. So... We're talking about Glen Heights, the road there, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And next, we heard the bang. So I ran straight into the house, ran up to my daughter. She had her baby in her hand. I said, the grandchild is dead. There's something up happening. Because I knew my other granddaughter was out there as well. So I couldn't go out. I couldn't go out. And my son came running into me to try to calm me down. He said, it's the dog is that's getting killed. No, they were just crossing the road and the car just came over nowhere. And um, he went on, he was just going onto the road and the dog was alongside of him. Just only missed the child inches, inches. Speeding car? A speeding car. It's the whole time, Neil. It's, you just couldn't leave kids out there playing. You can't leave Norman out there. The and cars are just flying up and down the whole time. Okay, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. You must have gone off a fight when you heard the thud, or was that what you heard? When I heard the bang, bang. it would stay with me. Now, but I, I, and I, I, I appreciate that you must have got an awful fright. But yeah. I'm thinking about the fright that your daughter got when you ran up the stairs and said that... She did, she did. You, you said... And I said... He's dead. One of the grandchildren is dead. And what happened was then my 11-year-old granddaughter, she was coming along from her uncle's house. So the two children saw it happening. So they're all over school today because... That dog was our life. I know. Yeah. He was our life. He was our life. But the only thing is concerning me is that it wasn't my grandchild. But that was only inches. In the inches. Now the car in the went away, but they came back. And my son said, How many miles an hour were you going? And they said, 50. But he said it was a lot more than that. Who I don't want names, but who were they? Like we don't know their or? names because my son felt like a punch in them. But he said, "You know what will happen then, ma'am? They'd come back and probably blow our windows in or something because we didn't know who they were." Why did they come back again? Because they knew they were at the doing wrong, and they came back they to knew. check or to see yeah, if everyone. We got their number plate, like. They were young fellas, is that what you were saying? Two young boys. Two. It was actually his father's car. Driving his father's car? Father's car. Your husband was crying as well, thinking the child was dead. He was. He was. He was crying to a neighbour across the road. Why wouldn't they put... It's an age-old question. Why aren't there speed ramps? For years, they were fighting for them. But they were saying it was over the buses. But... Years. What's more important though, a child's life a child. or, a bu- or a bounce on a bus? Now my husband is going to go around with a petition. He's getting this started out. I'm asking people, you know, just to help him. I'm so glad to hear that it wasn't your grandson, but it doesn't take oh from the consequences God, of the yeah. loss of your beautiful I dog. Mean, there was no brakes or anything. We didn't even hear the brakes. Just bang. 
just bang. And when they came back, did they say sorry or anything like that? Well, they must have been in shock. I don't know, because I wouldn't go, because I still thought it was the grandchild at that stage. Could you imagine? Like, I never forget the screams in the house. The whole house was screaming. The whole house was screaming. So You starting a petition? Did I hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Because Speed ramps before a child is killed. Yeah. I mean, or an elderly person crossing the road. You you go up Den Heights. You can go to Kilvarna, you can go to Merville. You can go to Glenton. It's a road for everyone to use. And if people want to be involved in the petition, is it possible for them? Is it online? It's not online yet. It's, it's going to be sorted out uh, this evening. Come back to me evening. with that information, will you? I will, because, you know what, it's only an accident waiting to happen. Okay, well, let me know when that is set up and we'll encourage people to get involved. And then it'll be sent to City Council, obviously. I will, I will. It I could will. so easily have been your grandson. It really and oh, truly I'm could. telling you, he was only inches. I'm and the poor old dog. Oh, the dog. The electric blanket used to be left onto the dog and on in the morning. He was just a pet, a pet, a pet. And they are I mean, a lot more than pets. They're family members. Yeah, in all fairness, yeah. they really are. No. The day before, my husband was out cutting the, uh, the grass and there was a young fella going up and down the road on a motorbike and my husband put his hand out to stop him, ignored him and he came back up the road again and he put his hand to stop him and they were just going up and down motorbikes, cars, everything, everything. Do you ever get, would you not get on to, is there any point, get on to Gronabraha Garda Station? Well, we guess my husband got on to the guards last night and it was actually two guards in Gron came out. They did a good job a few weeks ago. They chased this guy down, got him eventually, I think, up by the con- commons. You're aware of that? Now, oh, some right. some people that's weren't right. happy with the with the Garda speeding response, but they're they're trained for that kind of driving, so they yeah, don't yeah. they do take that's it true. seriously when they can get involved, you know, if they get yeah, the time. I know. They did say that they will pass around information to Macy's. But like, if you if if you got the reg of the car, there's no harm in giving it to the guards just to check up yeah. these young fellas. They may not have been insured on the car, you know. You don't know. Yeah, at um, least they'll be taken. Out of it. Never forget the number. All as right. long as you live. Okay. So, can I ask you, can I, listen, come back to me with the petition. Talk about never forgetting things. Um, Geraldine, weren't you born in Besborough? I was. Yeah. I was. I never spoke to you about that before, did I? No, no, no. Are you following the story now with regards to on board Planola and um, the uh, planning application? Yeah, it was just, I suppose it was just the way my adoption was handled. It was all wrong, like, all wrong. Now, I met my birth mother and my birth father. They married. I went on to have two more kids. And what happened, we were at the putting-in to adopt a little baby. But we had four kids under five. And there was a social worker came up, knocked at the door. And the kids were running mad and I was in. 
we won't get no trade. So <laughs> she asked me, she called me by my maiden name. And I was saying, if my mum and dad were in Jersey and I'm just saying, is there something that's happening in them? So she said, I'm a social worker from Bellsborough. Does it mean anything to you? So I said, yeah, we put him for his action. No, she said, would it mean anything else? So I said, I'm adopted. So she said, yeah. She said, they're trying to trace you. They're looking for you. So they were already at the train before, but I made no contact looking for my birth parents. So they said they'd try it again. So she said that they were very anxious to meet me, that they were at the Marion. And I had a brother and a sister. So I think that social worker handled that beautifully, don't you? She did. Yeah. She did. Okay, go ahead. Still yeah. Love and fear. yeah, go ahead. So um you know, I was in chocolate and my husband came in from work and I said, You have to go up and get your mum to mind the kids. I have to go down to bed spurring them straight away. So we went down and they were saying the nun that does researching she was going to England next morning so she couldn't be disturbed but I said I want to see her now I'm not waiting overnight for this so she came down and she brought us into a room and she said the youngin he was a principal in Trilly he was doing all the searching for her so to make it short she wrote me a letter and she said Every birthday was like a death anniversary. So I met up with them and I brought my mum and dad with me and my husband. I didn't bring the kids. They were too young to understand. And she told me that she was only 15 when she had me. She told me that she was... I'd been told that her grandmother... She was in Besbra and she was told something in Besbra. What was that? That her grandmother died. She was living in Waterford and that she had to go, to go down to the grandmother's. But when she went down and she came back, I was gone. She told you this all the years later. How did she tell you that made her feel? 15-year-old came back to Besbra, baby gone. It made her like a stone. Stone. Now, I brought the kids then to meet her in Fosha, and they were living in Bournemouth in England at the time. Mm. And she said to me and my birth father, "What did you say to the kids who we are?" I said, "You're their daddy's cousin." So she was saying, "Right." And next, I said, all I said to her was, you know, you can't be my mum. I have a mum. I said, Dad, I love dearly, but I said, you're my birth mother. Yes. And we can be friends. And she would not speak to me up to this day over that. Your birth mum won't speak to you? No, no. Was it only the one meeting, so... I called it and she went to live then in Clamell. She was left a house in Clamell and they retired off to Clamell. And I called her and I said, don't go to your grave, bitter. I want to be your friend. 
and she won't talk about it. There was a big write up. Her story was in the um, Oh, I can't think of it there. It doesn't. It, I won't even bother with that because I don't know that side of the story out of respect yeah. to, to privacy issues. But um, yeah. And what about your birth dad? You met him too. Yeah, he born all the time. He born all the time. And see, my man, there was an awful lot of lies. I won't even go. I won't even go into that area because the word "life" frightens the life out of me on air, you know. And we don't want to be getting anybody yeah. in, uh, into any trouble. But no, she, was only, she was only she was only fifteen, but she did 15. go on then to settle down, married, and she um, married your birth dad. I had two kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you ever meet your siblings? I did. I did. I did. I uh, I text all the time to my sister, so. But it was a very weird thing. My mum, my old mum now have Alzheimer's. Oh. And they said she's slowly dying of all the fluids. They can't get rid of anything. But she turned around about three weeks ago and she said to me, it just shocked me like she didn't know nothing. And she said, you know you have another mother. And... I just had to walk out of the room. I got so choked up. Just came over and she would be calling me different names every day. She could be calling me Nelly. Well, yes, she said that. Why do you think um, she said that? I do. Well, I know she's slowly dying, like the doctors told me, whether she wanted me to be friends with her. Yes. And because... When you my dad is dead. When your dad, your dad died. And my when, brother is dead. When so you I met your done. birth mother, did your did your mam know? Oh, I brought my mum with me and she, my dad. Yeah. So Now the social worker didn't want me to bring him with me. Okay. Okay. So your mam met your birth mother? Oh she did. Okay. She did. She did. And maybe she was maybe she knows that she's getting weaker or that she will pass and wants you to know, you know. Yeah. Your birth mother is there should you need her kind of thing, maybe? Yeah. Well, I'd like that. I know. She's just bitter that I said she could never be my mother. I had a man. I know, I know. But I was only 24 at the time. Maybe I could have handled it a bit different on my side. Oh, if it was probably now, I wouldn't say something well, uh, like that. Yeah, I know. But, you know, that's the benefit of hindsight. I'm not quite sure who should make the next move on this one, Geraldine. Do you think that maybe you might try again and see if you yeah. can patch it up? Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh. All right. Okay. Listen, I brought I brought that up unbeknownst to you, so my apologies for that. But not at all. Not at all. Lovely speaking with you. And do, do come back with regards to uh, the petition, will you please? I will, Neil, and thank you very much. <laughs> You're lovely. Thank you so much. Mind yourself. God bless. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Back Bye. after the break. Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. And people are texting on all sorts of different topics. The light and the serious. Actually, we were talking yesterday, but earlier, back end of the week with all of the sunshine. What's the difference between an ice lolly and an ice cream? And that got people talking about ice cream. So it's still not too late in spite of the lack 
lack of sun. The petrol station in Glanmire, says Brian. The Maxall garage of the West End in Balancholic, uh, says Trace of Cakes. Dempsey's in Miami Bridge on the way to Roberts Cove. There is such a place as Miami Bridge. Uh, Sparring Kinsale, says Brian. Centre on the Kinsale Road with a double flake swung into it. Wow, is the second one free? I love that. Got this monster of an ice cream at Twilight News on Patrick Street. It took me hours of fun to finish it off, says Tony Tobin. He must have sent a photograph of the ice cream as well from Twilight News on Patrick Street. The spa opposite the church in Yall. The small shop in Yall Caravan Park does a great cone. Yeah, you, you can't be mean when you're pulling a crone or pulling an ice cream or a 99, you've got to give it holly. Um, remember the days when we had the ice cream truck and we went around as Mr. Whippy to all of the different beaches and parks and things. It was great fun. My conversation then with Roisin, who was bullied in not just one school, but said two schools and eventually quit school, started her own jewellery business. There's a lovely end to that terrible story of uh, bullying. I wish Roisin every joy for her future. Shame on those bullies and the school for not dealing with them in the fashion in which they deserved expulsion. I mean, a warning for sure, but after that, out. Roisin's story is an inspirational one for all those who have been failed by our so-called education system that continues to leave our children down. This year is an excellent example where students were forced to stare into a computer for months on end while the school doors were shut. Now they're forced to sit in class all day wearing masks with no injury assessment to this long-term experiment. Yeah, I wonder what the world is going to be like in, say, 12 months' time with regards to interpersonal skills and what have you. Not just students, but people who go back to work, you know? Will we be able to, you know, converse, get along, or will there be all sorts of anxieties attached to going back to work or mixing, even going out for a couple of pints or dinner with friends. What an awful journey that young girl must have been through. Thank God she came out the other side. Some people might not have been as strong as Roisin. The school should be investigated for not coming down on bullying strong enough. I've heard so many stories of bullying through the years. It's brushed under the carpet so as not to smear the reputation of the school, which can only be bad at this stage. Best of luck to her. She's uniquely beautiful. The final one, um, fair play to her. Roisin, it's so unfair what you had to endure in two schools. Bullying can have a profound effect on the person and their families. I have a primary school child going through it now. And whilst the school has been good, outside the school, it just continues. Shame on the parents who turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to their kids' behaviour. They excuse it and they play it down. They will know what it is like when it hits their own door. I wish Roisin all the best for the future and I'm hoping my child will come out the other side too. And so do I. Years and years ago, and I'm not advocating that it should happen, years and years ago, you'd have a parent, uh, not necessarily the dad either, it could have been the ma'am, going round to the house of the bully and having words with the parents. But of course, you know the world we live in now. You only make things worse and you'll find yourself in court for it or sued in the civil courts, isn't it true? Do you know what I was thinking, actually? Um, Because we're planning on doing it at home. Might be an idea, if you've got time on your hands, to put together a COVID time capsule. Has anybody done that? I'd love to know. That you might bury in the ground. Forget about it then. And then years later, hundreds of years later, somebody might find it. But what about a COVID time capsule? And if so, what would you put into it? Big enough to bury me, I hear you saying. But no, seriously, what would you put into a COVID time capsule that, you know, those in future generations, you could, you know, leave details or a treasure hunt or a treasure map somewhere so the generations in the future could find it. A COVID time capsule. Ever think about that? Text 0868 104 106. Yeah, already. Thanks, Emer. Well, you'd certainly put a mask into it. You'd certainly put some hand sanitizer, a bottle of the pushy downy gel. Um, maybe details 
of the bill for your Netflix subscription. I love them. Yeah. Um, a remote control from the TV. So how we socialized or how we spent our time, certainly with regards to entertainment. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. She's at it again. A pizza box. I love it. It'd be a big time capsule, wouldn't it? A Chinese menu. <laughs> a delivery receipt. <laughs> a onesie. Anyway, keep them coming. Text 0868104106. She's flying there. We'll come back to that. I'll make it back to my phone lines if you don't mind. Brian. Neil, how's it going? Um, somebody in a text said 70 camper vans at Barrett Garrettstown Beach. Is that right? Close to it anyway. Yeah, I was down there Sunday afternoon. And, and these are, are, are they overnighters like? I would say either overnighters or first thing in the morning or the whole weekend. And is there anything wrong with it, would you please tell me? Nothing at all. They're allowed to do that. Like, when you were reading out what you were saying about the, the, having signs up for camper vans to say you can't park there. I mean, for the weekend that was in it, you think now, I was talking to a local guy only this morning and he was saying, they should have signs all around either side of the beach saying dangerous cliffs after the tragedy that happened there at the weekend. I know. And they don't. I know. And like, you only heard recently about the old gentleman who went down after his dog and had to be rescued. I mean, there are habits happening up and down the coast, but especially kind of from where the old head is to Guardstown Beach behind the Special Needs Centre. If you walk up along where a lot of um, people that go camping... Are there exposed cliff faces there that should be fenced or something, do you think? Neil, they're huge. There's some very, very dangerous ones. And like, say, go from the edge of the cliff five or six, eight yards back, from that point onwards, it's dangerous. I've been going down there my whole life and like, if there was people with us that didn't know the area or didn't, like, they were coming with us for the first time, you'd give them a little bit of a warning. Like, you'd say, come here, you know, be careful of the edges here. There's some false edges and like, the way I look at it is, if you're driving down the road and you don't know the road and you see a black dot for a warning sign saying an accident has happened here, like, even if you don't know the road, you're still going to go, all right, this place is kind of dangerous. Big time, big slow. time, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, signs, signs make a difference, yeah, yeah. If there was only 10 people went down there and it registered with only one of the 10, then he could just say, remind his friends during the night, say, look, be careful here, lads, we are a bit inebriated, whatever, you know, like, yeah. just everybody keeps yeah. their wits about him. And I know, I know. Signs, signs would do that, you know, and there's know. lots and lots of dangerous places around, and along the coast, but especially down around here, you know, around by the old head and... Thank you for that. But, for, camping, you know, for camping, you know. It's but just, just, can I just go, I know that's very relevant and thank you for making those excellent points. But just back to the camper vans. If, for instance, people who have been locked up all year have a camper van and they've been servicing and looking after it and then they, re- they relax the 20 kilometre rule and people decide that they go, in this case, to Garriston and they park up overnight, their big camper vans in a big long row. What about everybody else that wants to take their kids in the car down and can't get near it? Well, there isn't a lot of parking there. Let's say if there was no camper vans there, let's say before the pandemic, like you know, on a good uh, a good weekend, it would be black with cars, with vendors, with everything like that. I just don't think you can avoid it. You know, there is a, a fairly a bigish camper park down there, car park, but it's closed. But I mean, any of the any in Gary Lucas, but there is nothing in Garrettstown. It's just. Like, it'll be mobbed regardless. There is nothing you can really do, like, uh, besides getting an area for these camper vans to park in. As, 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 oh, as it's an inevitable day. consequences of the times we're living in, I know. It but is, uh, but like, I imagine families with young kids would be kind of a bit peed off that the beach, the beach and the parking has been hijacked by camper vans. But it's either side of the road, 
on boat beaches. I mean, it is, you can barely, like during the summer, you'd have to go to Barrels Cross and go back the other way to go west because you can't go through the two beaches because it is just so packed, you know. And it's very easy to say about the, the, the camper vans, but it's the same for cars, you know. I know people that have been down to the beach and had to turn around and go away because you just can't get parking there. And like, it's fair enough saying, putting up signs saying, Yeah, you but know, aren't the camper vans using the public parking when normally they would be in mobile home parks? But if you live down around here, you see camper vans here every year, every like from April to October. It, okay. it, it's nothing that we can get rid of or change. It's but like the signs for the camper vans, like that should be the least of our worries after the weekend. I know signs should be yeah. on either side of those beaches saying Dangerous you place. have to be really careful here from what happened. You know? Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate you taking my call. Cheers. Okay, Neil. And, and that is very serious and very tragic. Um, I was mentioning earlier on this morning uh, with regards to uh, Docker's nicknames, and I read out a load of them. I see a lot of texts coming in on this, and I will come back to them and hopefully we'll get calls on it tomorrow and perhaps later in the week. But uh, Aoife says, I saw a post online um, looking for Cork's best nicknames, your post online. So I, saw, I thought I'd share this. A local politician posted this on Twitter a while back. It's a list of funny nicknames of some of the people living in Passage West. So this is, these are Passage West nicknames by all accounts. And they include Movita, the gorgeous Gale. Well, they were real people as in Jack Doyle and Movita. Cinderella Man. If you recognize yourself in this list, please text me 0868104106. Cinderella Man. The Mushroom, The Rock Breaker, Bear, Barabbas. I like that one. Windy. I wonder why. Maybe a little flatulence. Uh, Anko. Anko was there before Foss, lads. Scobie. Dickles. The News. Murder the Gallon. A fellow who liked to sup. Murder the Gallon. Shanks. Ninja. Walking Mattress. Naki Joe. <laughs> the Sheriff. <laughs> the Mechanical Man. Frick. Whacker. Walty. Tooch, Buns, and Toddy, as opposed to Teddy, Toddy. There are other ones then that were sent this morning. Dats, the Chief, McGee, Chronic, the Gadget, the Flower, the Grim Reaper. Always bad news, I suppose. Bull the Lawn, <laughs> the Mouse, Waxer, and Jackie Rotten. The Lone Ranger, Pug, the Harbour Master, Skip the Ditch. <laughs> Fun and Games, Cochise, Native American, The Boar, Hammy, Packy, The Moth, The Bird, and Tubby. <laughs> Are they all Passage West though? Surely not. Give me a break. Back in a minute. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And you can text 0868-104-106. Anne says, I know women are mad to get back to work after having kids. I know money is needed too. I'm a stay-at-home ma'am and I'm also doing numerous courses as well to upskill. I'm waiting till my small one is older though before I go back to work. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I don't know why mothers are being slated for staying at home with their kids as this is a hard job in itself. Being a mother is not easy. There's nothing wrong with mothers going to work either. It's the choice the mother makes herself at the end of the day. Sorry, Anna, didn't get to read that on Friday when I was dealing with the topic, but I appreciate your email to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. And you are doing much needed work and you are right. It is a hard, hard job but very rewarding as well. Time flies too, incidentally. It just absolutely flies. Um, seems if time is standing still for poor Joe O'Callaghan. He's fallen through the cracks, he thinks. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Um, you booked for your vaccine shot uh, 
Was it booked for the 31st of March or what? Yes, I was called on the 31st of March and I attended and I got as far as boot number seven and checked in and everything and it transpired that I had um, a tetanus shot three, four days beforehand so they said they could not give me the COVID vaccine. Uh, do you mind me asking your age uh, cohort or your group that you're in? I'm in my mid-60s and I have diabetes since I was 10. Okay. Okay. And I have heart disease and a quadruple heart bypass. Oh my God, you're right up in the vulnerable. Yeah, you're right up in the vulnerable category, so. Yeah. So, in fairness to the lassie that checked me out, checked me, she said that she took my details and she gave it to the HSE person that was in charge on campus that morning who said that they would personally contact me on between the 10th and the 12th of April and get me back as soon as possible. Um, Did that happen? No, I haven't heard anything since. And on a daily basis since mid-April, I've been onto my the secretary for my consultant in COH, who said she can't do anything, only send an email to Parky Keeve. They continuously acknowledge the email, but they do not bring me up to, I haven't been called anyway since. Okay, and can I ask you, do you even know um, what kind of a time gap there has to be between your tetanus shot and getting the first... 14 days. 14 days. 14, and that's passed yeah. well and truly now. Oh, that, that passed on the 12th of April. Yeah, yeah. That's why they said that they'd call me as near to that date as they possibly could. Can you get your GP on the case maybe? He said that, well my impression from him is that the fact that the HSE have called me that they will call me again. Do you and think you might be down as a no-show? Back of the list exactly. kind of thing? That, 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 oh, that's highly possible. And you've been put to the back of the list because of a no-show? Well, that's what, that's what it looks like now. But um, are, you, are you worried? I am more than worried at this stage because it, it, especially with what's going on in Yard at the moment. Are you down East Cork? Oh yeah, I'm in, I'm in West Waterford, but I work in Yard. Long-term diabetic, heart disease, quadruple bypass, you have a lot going on to be dealing with. Yes, and I just try and work away and do as best I can, but um, it's it's just not easy at the moment trying to um, it, it, even get as much as an answer or an acknowledgement from the HSE. And did you travel to Cork for that? Oh, did I drove up, yeah. Okay, and are you yeah. seeing others younger than you or other people? That, oh, very much so. And they're very being vaccinated? So. Very, yes, yes, yes. Neighbours, friends. Would you describe neighbors. them as younger and less vulnerable, perhaps? Oh, very much so, very much so. So who did you call well, on them? Well, more well, luck to them. I mean, if they're getting it, that's fine. But I think, I think um, we're ne- nearly up to the end of the month now and I think it's time to just highlight is how many other people have fallen through the crack you know funnily, uh, funnily enough I got a text here and I actually can't understand this my friend's mum is 69 and she has also fallen through the cracks like Joe her date of birth was around the cut off date so she's not in the 60s to 70s group and she's not in the 70s to 80s group either and she's wondering is anyone else in the same boat does, does that make sense to you yeah, and what's happening to me as well is when I go on the HSE site and try and r- register again, it won't acknowledge my registration no, because it's, it's telling safe. me my PPS number is on the system already. 
so it, it, I can't get in that way either. And is that the only way you've tried to resolve this online? There isn't a number for you to call. There's got to be a free phone. 1850 On five separate occasions, they have told me that they'd ring me back. And I'm still waiting. Yeah, well, it's two weeks overdue now. Yes. Would you mind, uh, just, uh, would you mind if I... Call, the latest call I had was on Saturday morning. I rang the HSC again, or the headline. The girl actually gave me her name. I won't say it now, but... And said that she'd ring me back within, within an hour or two. Once she got a, a, an answer to her email that she said she sent to Parky. All right, and anything happened with that? No, I'm still waiting for that. As and well. you're worried because of the outbreak in York, clearly, and that yes. uh, you know there yes. could be there could be more transmissions, and you're in that you're in that area. area. If you like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. okay, okay, okay. Um, would Would you like us to maybe to make a call or to, he, your GP has said what? Right, my GP has more or less said that I, if I should wait for the HSC to contact me again. But if the system is showing you as already being registered, registered the chances yeah. the system is, is showing you as either a no-show or vaccinated already, you see? Yes. All right. Okay. And can I use can I use these details if we send something to HSE Press? I don't know how busy they are. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I don't know how busy they will be, but it, there's no harm in sending off an email and just seeing if maybe they could pass it to somebody who could expedite this, all right? Yes. Definitely, okay. Yeah. Okay, Joe. Okay. And, and I mean it's it's very easy to check back on whoever was in charge on the morning. On the there is a chance that there is a chance that they say because of GDPR that but then again, you don't know, you know, we'll tell, we'll tell them. They're at 9, 9.22, boot number seven. Gotcha, all right. My notes were taken and handed to this person. It's not an easy thing either with all your conditions, legging it up from you all and expecting the vaccine and going home. He must have been very despondent. Well, it wasn't what I expected. Yeah, okay, no. all right, I'll be back to you, all right? Okay. Okay, all right. thank you. Can't Bye-bye. promise anything, but we'll do our very best. Thank you for that. Text 0868-104-106, 1850-104-106. Very important phone line, 1850-104-106. And here is the reason why. You know what that is? That's a lion. And there's lions down in Photo Wildlife Park. And we have family passes to give away now. It passed for the day. You and the family, 1850-104-106. We got them all week long. We'll take callers 10 and 11, 1850-104-106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. I've got afternoon tea for you. And whomever you wish to share it with, don't touch that dial. Why? Well, I started off this morning talking about scones. Firstly, or it depends where you're from. Some people say scones. I prefer scones, um, but I prefer a scone what has fruit in it. Who'd want anything plain in their life? You know, I'm a plain scone. Give me a break. It's a question I want to put one of the imponderables to Sandra Murphy, communications and brand manager with the Trident Hotel Group, for it is they, on behalf of the Metropole, that are giving us afternoon tea to give away. Sandra, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm well, who would want anything plain in their life? Like, are you a plain scone eater or are you a scone eater or are you a fruit one? I'm a fruit scone eater and I definitely have to say that when I'm having my fruit scone, it'll always be butter followed by jam 
followed by cream in line with Buckingham Palace. What do you mean? So is that the way the Queen eats hers, is it? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually varying um, varying ways of, of how people eat them. But the Cornish method is actually to split the scone in two and to have your jam followed by your cream. Whereas in Devon, they actually put their cream followed by their jam. So it's nothing to do with flavour. It's just about the mere construction of the actual So it's visual itself. because the question that needs to be mm. asked is if you if you sat down for a blind tasting, incidentally, which I'm mm. happy to do any day, <laughs> would you be able to taste the difference? I think so because actually even when you think about physically the act of putting putting the jam, the cream on first, just seems that bit more difficult because jam is more sticky whereas cream is more smooth. You're so right. Actually, You're, it would be a, yeah. It would be it's a mess. So They'd bleed, wouldn't they? Mm, but the whole afternoon tea, I mean, look, it's it's just one of those quintessential pastimes. It's a very refined affair. And as well as it's being about the food itself and about the scones, it's an occasion in itself. And the history of afternoon tea is something that we've always been fascinated with. Actually, just to say the Metropole in June will celebrate its 124th birthday. So not too far away where um, afternoon tea originated, Neil, was actually in 1840. And the story behind it, it was um, this lady, she was the seventh Duchess of Bedford. It's a great story, and, lads. Yeah, go on. I yeah. love it. And and she used to, have, you know, everyone used to have their two, two substantial meals, breakfast and dinner, supplemented by a light lunch. But around the four o'clock, this Duchess used to complain of that sinking feeling, obviously a bit of low blood sugar. <laughs> so she started asking for uh, bread and butter and tea and cakes to be brought to her boudoir. And then she started inviting her friends Wait to a come sec. and see these treats. Wasn't um, this in the storyline of Bridgerton? It actually probably was. Um, or I'm am I confusing it with another series? But it certainly it, was in one of those period dramas where they were acting that out. That era. So she had this sinking feeling and she used to, to, to call for the cakes. She sounds like a, a wonderful uh, lady. So she was called for the cakes. And one of her very good friends then, um, so when the Duchess went to London, one of her great friends was Victoria, Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria decided that she'd like to have a light cake with some buttercream and some raspberries. And there came the Victoria Sponge. Then as it progressed to the 1920s, it became the tea dance. So a really fashionable affair. And then when you think about how it impacted right over to fashion, because there were then tea dresses that we still have today and we still call today, all associated with the whole afternoon tea. And then, of course, there are two types of afternoon tea. So you have high tea, which would be the likes of tea, bread, cheese, sometimes meats would be brought into this, or cream tea. And cream tea is the type of afternoon tea that we generally serve in hotels. So it just, But it's very it much British, story. though. I mean, is there any Irish oh. equivalent of Cork? What would a Cork tradition be, like equivalent to afternoon tea? Would it be uh, maybe a pot full of bodice or something and a, and a, and a pot of boiling tea, maybe? So what we, te- what we actually tend to do in the hotels is that we adapt seasonally um, so that we'd always use Irish products and adapt to go in, in season with our ingredients and also our producers. Um, but, but to be honest about you, afternoon tea, it is very English. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a quintessential pastime that originated in England and it's one of those ones that we're so happy to have over here because they are huge affairs. And look, the other thing to say is that especially in the hospitality industry. We're used to seeing people come to the hotels and celebrate afternoon teas for a variety of occasions, or in fact for no occasion at all, other than to have that chit-chat with a friend. And does the afternoon tea involve then cutting the crusts off the sandwich? Absolutely. Yeah, the fingerless sandwiches. I love crust, though. (laughs) 
you and me both. I love crust and I love the heel. Um, but <laughs> I'd fight you for the heel, McCarthy. I'd fight you for the heel, Murphy. I would with with nice butter. But uh, I'm having been having that at the moment because I've been I've been good coming out of lockdown. But um, yeah, I mean, look, people are celebrating their afternoon teas at home, so we'd love. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.